Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day from the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, kids. How are we doing? I'm doing good. Uh, Brooke is mad at me for calling whole states dumb, Carrie. Should I, <laughs> should I be ostracized because I cast aspersions over entire states? Well, i.e. Mississippi. Uh, with, oh, with I was not respect. defending Mississippi. Okay. Well, you were defending <laughs> Tennessee, which is like... I was defending the SEC. Is, isn't Tennessee basically North Mississippi? <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Nobody has ever said that, Randy. You're the no, only person that has said that. No, I was defending the SEC, which, reminding you, Mizzou is a part of the SEC, so I think that that makes me... Yeah, but are they? <laughs> I, wasn't... I mean, technically well, they we are. kind of are. We yeah. act like it. Yeah. Right. Which which was, I was defending the SEC, the... where it means more, okay? Yeah, except for the championship football. <laughs> right. which, one, which one's better, Northern Mississippi or Southern Kentucky? Oh, man. Oh, well, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. So anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Mizzou in Georgia this weekend. And uh, Mizzou is number 12 in the country. Congratulations to Eli Dre. Did you guys see, by the way, the selection show last night? Greg McElroy, who has a championship under his belt, was on the desk as they unveiled the, the top 25 teams for the committee. And Greg McElroy went out of his way for about 90 seconds to say, hey, folks, Mizzou is real. He said, now, they, they don't have the blue bloods. They don't have... The, the pedigree of all of these other schools that are up there, like Ohio State and Michigan and Texas and Alabama. He said, but Missouri's real, and you better deal with it. And I thought it was really interesting for, for an SEC guy who pays a lot of attention to say that Mizzou is real. And we'll see how real they are on Saturday when they take on number two, Georgia. Ohio State, number one. Ohio State loses oh. a game and their fans will want their coach fired, but otherwise. That's kind of how it goes. <laughs> yeah, they got, they, yeah. They, they, those people are kind of interesting. The uh, yeah. Texas Rangers, as they have been before, <laughs> are, are on the precipice of winning the World Series. Oh, Randy, that was an <laughs> evil laugh. Sir, what, were you, what, what happened before when they were, were right there on the doorstep? What happened mm. was David Freeze, yeah. Lance Berkman, and David Freeze. Randy Wilkman chose violence today. <laughs> Specifically below the Mason Dixon line, but nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, a- anyway, Texas wins last night 11 7. Wasn't as close as the score might indicate. And Texas has a 3 1 lead in the series as they play game five tonight at Chase Field in Arizona. This game started on a wild pitch of all things that scored a run. On a 2 2, Taveras takes a change in the dirt, kicks away. Young's in to score. Rangers strike first in game four. Marcus Simeon followed by tripling home a pair. And then Corey Seager at the plate. Now, Adolis Garcia was ruled out for the rest of the series before Mm -hmm. this game. So Corey Seager is at the plate. And I I, I actually actually texted uh, Greg Amzinger and I said, what Torrey Lavallo needs to do is make sure that they don't give Corey Seager 
a pitch to hit. With all due respect to Mitch Garver, Mitch Garver isn't Adolis Garcia. And you pick out a guy that's not going to beat you, Mike Matheny, I'm talking to you, and you say, okay, that guy doesn't see a pitch to hit. So Corey Seager is up against Joe Mantiply, the starter for Arizona. Now Seager to right center field, way back there, and good again! Corey Seager does it again! His third hit of this World Series is his third home run of this World Series. Third home run of the World Series. They've given him plenty of opportunities to be a game-breaker and a heartbreaker. Here's Boog Shambi of ESPN. The part that's confusing to me is Corey Seager led the majors in first-pitch swing percentage this year. He has three first-pitch hits in this World Series of his four hits. He has ten first-pitch hits in the postseason. So more than half of his hits have come on the first pitch. I just I don't quite understand why he's getting hittable pitches to begin the plate appearance, but he continues to do so, and he does just such damage. I don't understand either, kids. <laughs> and, and that was a first guess, by the way, not a second guess. What, what did you uh, What did you say? The pitcher say? Uh, yeah, Brad Thompson throwing the 2013 <laughs> World Series where Matheny and the Cardinals kept pitching to David Ortiz. I would ask BT, and he'd say, "Well, the pitchers are thinking you ain't seen my fastball." <laughs> and that's a mistake. It is a big is. mistake. That's and a good idea. the Rangers, to their credit, didn't quit. It was a, a seven nothing game when a couple of runners reached in the third for Marcus Simeon. Simeon crushes a ball back to left field. Gurry out of the wall. Goodbye. It is a route in game four. Marcus Simeon came into the game with three RBIs this postseason. He's got five in three innings tonight. And that was important because the Diamondbacks scored one in the fourth, four in the eighth, and two in the ninth. 11-7 was the final, and tonight... Nathan Evaldi goes for Texas as they try to wrap things up at Chase Field. Good luck. Good luck to those guys yeah. in Arizona. And it's going to be Zach Gallen, right? Zach Gallen, former Cardinal farmhand, mm, going familiar. for Arizona. I think the series is over, and I think it would be smart just to uh, put the Diamondbacks out of their misery, cut off the head of the snake. It's, I, I liked <laughs> Arizona. I thought they had a chance at the beginning of the series, but the way they approached pitching to Corey Seager is going to be their downfall. You know what I liked yesterday um, is Bruce Bochy saying we, we bringing LeClerc in with needing just one out. It's, it tells me that he understands the importance of every single at bat. Mm-hmm. Every sing, don't give them room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Don't get you could have you could have kept the pitcher in. You could have said okay, he just needs one more. He struck out two guys. We can. No, we're going to bring in our best player. We're going to finish this game because it's that important. You don't let anything slide. Every moment matters. And to me, that's a that's a manager that understands the importance of everything in that moment, you know, finishing the game in that manner. I, I thought that that was, you know, really, really well done by him. Well, and I think maybe the Diamondbacks thought that the series would be done in the way of that you lose Adolis Garcia. I didn't think that they were probably expecting that, and they should have because the Rangers lineup is very deep. I mean, one through nine, very deep, and you saw that on display that outside of Adolis Garcia, they still have plenty of talented guys. And you guys mentioned this. I missed missed this during the broadcast last night, but did they talk about Tori Lovello and how he was following a certain script and how he likes to script out situations? 
That's a huge mistake. Do you think Bruce Bochy is following a script, or is it more that he is taking what's in in the moment? The greatest movies of all time have a lot of ad-libbing, so if you're going to stick to a script, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of bodies of work that show that going off script and just following in the moment what that moment needs is the better situation to go with. We kind of ad-lib it here in Texas. We don't decide <laughs> to go with a script because you never know when the script is going to be thrown off. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the best way to go about things. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, hey, we've seen scripts with, and sometimes they do work, but baseball is a meandering exercise and you just can't have it try to be linear because it's never going to be linear. You talked about Tori Lovello, uh, this game script that he had went perfectly throughout. He had in one, one of game, his games. In yeah. one of his games, mm-hmm. it went perfectly in, in one of those games. He's going to save the script. I would ask him how many times have he has he actually mm-hmm. wanted to that means that is not that's the exception to the rule. The one time where you can say, Oh, I'm gonna save this, this went perfectly. It never does. Well, I won't say never because clearly it does every now and then, but it most times it goes awry. It goes this way, that way, that this way, and you have to make adjustments in the game. So I would ask him, how many times have you ever wanted to save a script because it went perfectly? If it's only one time in your entire career, then the hell with that script. Mm-hmm. Well, and <laughs> Brooke, you made the best analogy to a movie, a movie script, because if you screw up in a movie, you get a do-over. Mm-hmm. In oh, baseball, yeah. your script doesn't work. You don't get a do-over. You fall behind 10 nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that they wish they could get a do-over yep. with that, but that's not the situation there. And I think that this is where you're starting to see some of that experience pay off, and the money pays off, too, with what the Rangers did, especially oh, yeah. with their middle infield Absolutely. investing in that. What was that, $500 million, essentially, yeah, between uh, the two? Yeah, 325 for Seager and 200 yeah, so a little over. 500 mil. There well, you go, Cardinals. Half, half a bill to, yeah. uh, to break it down. Yep. There you Guys. go. Yeah. Follow that, Cardinals. There's a script to follow. How about that? While you were sleeping, <laughs> the uh, Las Vegas Raiders fired head coach Josh McDaniels and GM D- Dave Ziegler. We're going to talk about this later in the show, about should franchises care about what fans think. Apparently, numerous fans got in the face of Mark Davis at the Las Vegas Aces victory parade, saying, fire Josh McDaniels, fire Josh McDaniels. He took it to heart and he fired those two. They're three and five, but they don't look like they have a chance. And Josh McDaniels, like Bill Belichick, is and was totally a product of Tom Brady. He has Tom Brady to think for his career. Mm, That's what's being exposed. We talked about Mm. it yesterday. He was definitely one of the ones that had to go, especially the way that whole situation played out where, one, it's not been a good season for them, and they've been well below expectations, and it seems like things have reached a bowling point. You have the frustrations that Devontae Adams has publicly put out there, and then they have this whole kumbaya meeting that's supposed to you know, help them air out their grievances, and then they just go and lay an egg in the next game. When a team responds in that way – and the coach is publicly saying, look, I'm trying to bring them together, and then your team responds like that, you got to go. It's not working out. Right. So the the next question is, Kerry, being a former player and being in the coaching industry, knowing a lot of coaches, will a good established coach want that job with oh. Mark Davis as the owner? No question. I mean, you there are only 32 in but the I'm, world. But I'm talking so, uh, somebody will take it. Somebody will, will take it. Will a good established coach I, I want think, that job? I don't know which good established coach is available or, you know, is out there right now. I, I, I would have to think about who is 
available. I don't think you'll get any of the the, the former coaches like a Tony Dungy coming out of retirement mm-hmm. or a a, a Bill Cowher. John John Gruden was already there. They don't. Mm-hmm. They're still paying. They can just yeah. bring them back. Yeah, they yeah. To, we're already paying you, pal. Why don't you come mm-hmm. on and do some work for us? Um, someone will take the job. I don't know where they go, which direction they go. It, this is an intriguing situation because you have had, over the last couple of years, you had the John Gruden issue. You brought in Josh McDaniels. That didn't go well. It, I don't know where they go from here. Somebody will take it, but they have to get a person that – the Raiders organization has always been different. And and I say that from the players. I've heard – you know, they've had meetings. I've heard a lot of wild <laughs> stories about Las Vegas Raiders – not the Las Vegas Raiders, but the Oakland Raiders, the L.A. Raiders. Like, it's just a wild time there. So they have to get an adult in the room that is willing to – Put in the work. Make sure you get Devontae Adams on the right page. Mm -hmm. Make sure you get Josh Jacobs on the right page. Figure out if Jimmy G is the quarterback of the future. I know you paid him, but you got to figure out if he's the guy and figure out how to get this offense going in the direction that it needs to go. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Do you think that even with this new change coming in that you can get the best out of Jimmy G? I think I don't think so. I don't know if Jimmy G is is injured, if he's got some – I don't know what it is, uh, but – they have to figure it out. They they paid him. They gave him money yeah. this offseason. So they, they paid him with the expectation that he's going to be their starting quarterback of the future. And right now, you if you could go in a different direction at quarterback as well, you probably would. But they're stuck with him. They got Devontae Adams. They got pieces to be good. They just aren't playing really well right now. Apparently one of the things that, that got Ziegler and McDaniels fired was they signed Jimmy G to the big money contract despite the fact that he needed major Shoulder foot surgery. surgery. Oh, foot surgery, yeah. That's not, yeah, a, that's good. That's not smart. That's, and then uh, we, we, this is Ask Uncle Randy Day. You can get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Yo-ho! And kids, uh, opening drive nation, Uncle Randy isn't mad at you. He's disappointed in you. Okay. <laughs> What do the kids do? And uh, Michelle Smallman very adeptly dubbed the uh, listenership of this morning show the BLIS, Best Listeners in Sports. And there is no question that it is a superb listenership. In general, very intelligent listenership. However, yesterday we had a Halloween candy draft. And I drafted what was clearly the best Halloween candy team of Snickers, peanut butter M&M's, Hershey bars, Almond Joy, and Junior Mints. Mm. Yet, even though I clearly have, (laughs) clearly have the best Halloween candy team, Rockio, Rockio (laughs) leads the way with 30.3% of the vote. Brooke is in second. (laughs) Brooke Brooke is in second at 25.9. I got a text during the show. That said, what is your producer, nine? Because <laughs> he, was, he was taking nerds and Starbursts Nerds, and stuff. for me, was the was the, the most intriguing yep. one. You guys Bro, are missing it. Why, that's why I won, because on a Halloween candy draft. Well, it's not over yet. You can still vote. Bam. You, you still should. Oh, you're still trying to get vote. people riled up yep. to vote for you, Brooke, Randy. Brooke takes a candy that isn't even available in fun size. Take and the five. Rest is take five. <laughs> it yeah, is available. It's just any candy. It's oh Halloween candy. It's, yeah. it's not even available in Look, fun size, Brooke. I'm gonna, I forgot to bring some in today, but I will bring in a take five for you guys. It oh. is the elite Halloween candy and candy in general. It has yeah. everything that okay. you want. And it's Brooke, delicious. Brooke, I love candy, as you can tell. <laughs> okay. Brooke, I hate Swedish fish. 
hate I didn't them. realize that that was such a polarizing oh, candy. God. And I thought that I was finally, because there was a chance that I was going to take Skittles. But I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I feel like people like Swedish fish more than mm-hmm. Skittles. I would have gone Skittles. And I got freaking just... People were so mad at me well, on social media. They were like, Swedish fish? Really? I'm like, they're delicious. I had never encountered them. I had a friend that uh, always brought them up to me, and I said, okay, fine, I'll buy them. It was a party city that I bought some, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I had one, and then the rest of the box went in the trash. Oh, so they're anyway. so good. <laughs> they even have tropical sometimes, too, if yeah. you can find those. And by the mm. way, the, the way this vote should have gone is me, Carrie. <laughs> Brooke and Rakia. It ah, went. I do agree with the last you. part. Yeah. Because uh, the, the, the nerds threw nerds. me off. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I, I love you. divide. Clearly. You, you are my kids, okay? <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, oh, no. You can watch us on our Air Alliance Team Studio cam. Just go to YouTube.com and uh, type in 101 ESPN STL. And you can still vote, by the way. Just uh, go to my Twitter page, at Randy Carricker, on one, on uh, the, the X now, formerly Twitter. Or you can go to Rockio's. Does everybody else have it retweeted? I didn't retweet it. Okay, no. I did. Okay, yeah. so yeah, just go to, uh, go, go to any of them and uh, you, <laughs> can, right you can get the correct vote in if you have... I think it, I think it might so. be done, honestly. Oh, well, I thought over? it was a twenty-four yeah. hour. Oh, it says okay. no, final we, results. We always do the polls to end at seven eight, at seven. What type oh, okay. of what so type the show next day? Yeah. <laughs> what, no, that has literally what, always what been what I've been we, told hey, to end the poll so we can talk about the results mm, on the show. Mm, mm, you guys said that I was no, competitive. This is, oh, I it sounds like you guys are very competitive. I came in third. Rightfully. Yes. What? Yeah, you did. This is nonsense. This is. And you guys were calling uh, me competitive. <laughs> hmm. We're gonna have hmm. to. We're gonna have to find some more votes. <laughs> <laughs> it's already done. What is the area code in Georgia? Five zero four six seven in Georgia. No, five zero four is Atlanta. Louisiana. What's... Six seven eight or seven seven zero four 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 zero four four zero four. Okay, four zero state. There's a lot of yeah, Matthew. What kind of a show are you guys putting yeah. on here today? <laughs> Coming up, it's Ask Uncle Randy. Get your text in now. We want to hear from you on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on one hundred and one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Just getting warmed up. It's time for Ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN. I've offended the masses in the in the room at least. Yeah, why don't you Intriguing. tell the joke? No, I can't. Nah. Oh, okay. nope, nope. Can't do it. Keep your job. Nope, don't do it. <laughs> can't do it. You got the dump button ready. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hate doing that to you, but uh, you, uh, the listenership, but I can't. It would be we would lose our FCC license. It's a violation. It, so when I. Uh, well, the the people that know me best them. know that I, I laugh at myself. <laughs> that one killed me. Well, if you're not going oh to, God. who will? <laughs> okay. Uh, Matthew, what do you got? <laughs> Uncle <laughs> Randy. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> oh, man. Uncle Randy, when when a dad when does a dad have to not pay the way for four adult children when we go on vacation? Hotels, restaurants, etc. They all have jobs. 
Well, then if you don't want to pay for them, you tell them uh, you you aren't you can come on the vacation, but you got to pay. That's that's all you have to do. If if they all have jobs and they're all off the payroll, as it were, it's not incumbent upon you to finance the family vacation. It is when they're. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, but once... Even yeah. college students, I mean, yeah. or yeah. early, I would say, once they have, if they have their own family, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, uh, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, unless, unless you want to, but yeah, no, it's, if, if you have 22, 24, 26, 28, and they all have jobs and yeah. and kids, no, that's not incumbent upon you to pay for the family vacation, that's yeah. uh, got to become their responsibility, as a matter of fact, they should be taking you at some point. Hint, hint to my kids. Oh. <laughs> yeah, has that happened yet? Has that uh, happened yet? Not yet. No. Not yet. Oh, okay. No. In due time. Dear Cousin Carrie, I'm not a fan of how my beard has turned out, but a few pretty ladies I know have said otherwise. What do I do? That's I was going to shave it at the barber today, but P.S. I can't really afford to be missing out on impressing hey, the ladies. If they like it, <laughs> figure right it out. It. It's okay. It, it, it'll grow on you, literally. You, you'll be okay <laughs> with it eventually. And, you know, if they are... A good beard is... is It makes, you know... It's, yeah. makes, a, makes a woman feel like, oh, he's, he's a nice, handsome-looking guy. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And also, it can make a difference. It can cover up some, some things if need be. I'm thinking of James Harden. <laughs> because, like, I think James Harden needed the beard. It go. changed him. Some yeah. beards help. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Some people look completely different. Uh, uh, Brett yes. Kiesel, my teammate, oh, you can go geez. Google him. He he had a beard for which hung down, you know, he had a long beard. And he cut it off one day, and I literally didn't know who he was. Did you call him Aaron Smith? I didn't know who he was. He didn't look like anybody I had ever seen. And he was just in the locker room. I'm like, bro, who are you? And it, That's so I said, funny. oh, Kiesel. Hey, you, you, he... <laughs> Look like a different person, man. So, he had a wizard's beard, man. I think it was wild. Uh, dear Uncle Randy and Broken Family, are you guys all aware of how many candies Tootsie Roll actually makes? Did you guys know, like, the fruit ones, Andes, Blow Pops, Charleston Chew? I think you guys missed out on those yesterday. I did not know, and I, I had didn't. no desire to know. No, that's, that's oh, a Brooke wow. thing that's in a... our, and was it Dustin? Blow Pops? Yeah. yeah. Blow Pops were his favorite. Dustin, and I said I like the Tootsie, Tootsie Pops. Pops. The Tootsie Pops are really good. That's maddening. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> the fruit, here's the thing. The fruit Tootsie Rolls are actually really good. I yeah, actually have fantastic. I, I've never even the, tried. Oh, they the are. Ones. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah, those are good. I, I've never even tried a Charleston shoe. I would no. guess if you're predisposed to a tooth coming out, if you have a Tootsie Roll, that's probably the way you're going to lose I it, love right? Tootsie Rolls. Do you? Uh, oh, well, I'm tootsie you Rolls are teeth. fantastic. I'm not a fan. Oh, they're fantastic. They're looking uh. really good. Uh, Uncle Randy, what temperature is too cold to play golf? This one, right now, this one. Whatever okay, uh, this is a very good question, and it's very legitimate. And a lot of it depends upon sunlight and wind. So here's my little rule of thumb. I will do 45 degrees if it's sunny and not windy. Okay, that's my, and I'm a weather wuss. I'm certified as a weather wuss, okay? If it's cloudy, then I go up to 55. By the way, cloudy and windy, uh, I'm not even bothering. Uh, Cloudy, 55, but it can't be windy. And then I have to be, for anything between 55 and 60, I, I... I'm really cautious about the wind. 60 degrees is my, okay, I can do it with clouds and with wind. 60 degrees. But too cold to play golf is anything below 45. That would be my ultimate answer. What's too hot? There is no such thing. Are you sure? 
I've uh, I've played in 107, 108 before, no problem at all. <laughs> oh, you got to drink a bottle of water per hole, but I love it. I love the heat. Ooh, that does not sound fun. Long, oh, it was long, really fun. Long pants? No. Okay, well, uh, if you're at a club that requires no. that, then the the, no. the temperature is like 95, in my opinion. But uh, for example, today is going to be. Let me just uh, check the old iPhone here. It's Got the iPhone at the behest of uh, one Kerry Davis, by the way, because I, I ruined <laughs> behest, the video yeah. one time. Behest is not the right. Yeah, behest is not the right word. You you were bullied. You were bullied yep. by. You're pressured by the by the the mean kid at school apparently. So today, sunny and 47, doable. Okay. Uh, yesterday, probably not doable. Uh, tomorrow, 60 degrees and sunny, perfect. Friday, partly cloudy, 64, perfect. 66 on Saturday, golden. 69 and cloudy on Sunday. Monday, 70 and cloudy. Here we go. I mean, we're rocking and rolling here for the next few days, so we're good. Uh, so, but there are yes days that are just too darn cold for uh for golfing uncle randy it's time for the talk with my 13 year old son what's my opener for this conversation i'm just gonna sit back and listen okay that's how do you open that particular conversation that's a really good question uh i would say uh hey you want to go grab an ice cream uh that, that would be the opener <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, once you get to the ice cream shop, it's a trap. <laughs> no, it's not a, a trap. Uh, I think it's better to do it on a neutral court or a neutral field. And I think what you have to do is just be honest but clinical. I, I think that's clinical. Yeah, clinical. Yes. I think is is the key. Is say okay, here's what's happening to you here's why it's happening to you and here's what's going to happen to you that's to be as clinical as possible but give him the why because because kids want to know the why and explain okay here's what's happening and here's why that's but i i would i, I think it's important to have them kind of in a comfort zone on a neutral field so that they don't feel ambushed so not at the house yeah, not in a place. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere. I agree with that. But being honest and open is is yeah. you know you got to have. It's a sometimes those are tough conversations, mm -hmm. right? And they are uncomfortable. They're probably more uncomfortable for you as the parent than they are for your child. Right. And and so you know just being honest, they may. Oh my god, yeah, we got to talk about it because yep. these this is these are the things that are coming your way yep. or maybe already on here. Right, so. and young men, especially. They need to know that the, the they need to respect who they are, and they need to respect the young ladies that they come in contact with. So, uh, there's a lot that needs to be explained there. You got one more? Or are we done here? Well, we're done. Matthew's we're, done. <laughs> we're, we're done here. He gives me, he gives me a sneer. We're, we're, we're done. Yeah. So, all right. That's how Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Jim Bowden of the Athletic has his free agent projections in the uh, in the publication. The question is for the Cardinals: Would you? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. 
warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. At The Athletic, Jim Bowden has put together his top 40 list of free agents with contract projections. And we're going to take this from the Cardinals' point of view and give you some of uh, would you or wouldn't you. Let's start, guys, with... Shohei Otani, I think this is going to be pretty easy. Uh, Jim Bowden predict, predicting that uh, Shohei will get 10 years, $477 million with incentives that could take it past a half billion dollars. If you're the Cardinals, would you? 477 over 10? No. no thank you. No. Uh, no. Okay. Yoshi Yamamoto, 25-year-old right-hander from the Oryx Buffaloes of the Japan Pacific League. And Bowden has him getting seven years and $211 million. <laughs> 25 years old. I like Yamamoto a lot. Feels he also, like a lot. I it, would. yeah, he is worth a lot. Now, I know that you're going to get into Sunny Gray a little bit later, but he kindly put in the height and weight of mm-hmm. all of these guys. And we talk a lot about Sunny Gray being small. Do you have any concerns about Yamamoto and his side because size? Because he's 5'10, 175 pounds. I do have concerns. I don't think that he'll last in the long term, but you're trying to win now. And so hopefully he can be an ace for a year and. Then after that, I don't care. A year? <laughs> One year? A year? He'll, he'll, let's look at Daisuke's uh, career. Uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka. Mm-hmm. Yes, you. Um, okay, he was, in his, I think he won 18 games in his first year. Uh, 32 starts, and uh, he went 15 and 12. Then in his second year, he went 18 and 3. After that... Four and six, nine and six, three and three, one and seven, three and three, three and three. So a couple of years. And Dice K uh, was a little bit bigger, six foot 205. But these pitchers come over here and they're used to pitching on five days rest rather than four. And they just have trouble conditioning themselves to the major league game. So if you get Yamamoto, I would expect that he can give you a couple of really good years, but not much after that. Hmm. And I don't have a problem with that because I'm trying to win right now. Okay, so we're all in. Seven years, 211 on Yamamoto? Well, I think CD's a little on the fence about Yamamoto. Yeah, I think I'm okay. going to hold off, especially when I see the numbers of some of these other guys. Okay, he lists, by the way, Bowden. The Cardinals has a good fit for Yamamoto and for Jordan Montgomery, whom he has at number three, at only five years on 127. If <clears> I were the Cardinals, I would have offered, and I think I even mentioned this on the air, I would have offered Montgomery 125 over five before they traded him. You, yeah. I would have as well. I, and the, that's the thing that's intriguing about these numbers. I know you're going to run down the rest of them, but on the list of free agent pitchers, Jordan Montgomery is is getting the highest. Five for 127. You got Aaron Nola at five for 125. 
and Snell for five for 122. If you can get Aaron Nola for 125 over five, you jump all over that immediately. I don't yes. see a world where Aaron Nola makes less than Jordan Montgomery next year. I, I, I just I don't see that happening. And maybe I'm crazy. Or Blake Snell. I don't see them making less. I don't see Jordan Montgomery setting the bar and those other guys getting less money than him. I would agree with that. The only thing that I could understand is perhaps Montgomery gets the the, the edge because he's left-handed. Yeah, that and does it have yeah. anything to do with what you saw too from Aaron Nola during the regular season, which it wasn't great, but he was he did improve his numbers towards the end of September and then the postseason. Yeah, I, especially the postseason. I think Nola made big money in the postseason. That's mm-hmm. that's part of it. I mean, that's why I said I don't I don't see a a world where they're making and it's two million less yeah. for Nola. It's five million less for for Snell based on Bowden's projections, but I just don't see a, a world where they're making less money than, than Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery has done an outstanding job. Left here, went to the Rangers. They're on the, the verge of being World Series champions. Great, outstanding. But I just don't see a world where he's making more than those two. Agreed. So let's take a look at the at numbers three and four then. Montgomery, 5-127. Nola, 5-125. We all in on that if you're the Cardinals? Yes. Yes. Uh, Blake Snell, 5 and 122, and Bowden has him as a fit for the Cardinals, too. Can I get all three, please? Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> no, no. All three with Blake Snell or all with Yamamoto? Blake Snell. No, I don't need Yamamoto. Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, and Jordan Montgomery. Okay. You, now you let's, give me all three. Let's take a look at a couple of others that he has. He has Josh Hader at three years and $67 million. Him, you? too. I agree. Give me all four of yep. them. Yep. If the Cardinals want to win, now, you want to, now, we're talking about mm-hmm. winning championships yep. here. That's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about payroll going up. Yep. Where would the Cardinals payroll be at if they spent that That's kind 20, of money? Oh, that'd be What's so much that? fun. 22 million, <laughs> yeah. 25 million a person? Yeah, it's okay. It's yeah. 100 million. Uh, Sonny okay. Gray, three years it. and 64. <laughs> Do you want Sonny Gray for three years, 33 years old, 5'10, 195? No, nah, I don't need him. Mm. Three or, years and 64. Or maybe you go. If you can get three. one of the others, yeah, two if you can be yes. he'd be the third. Yeah, I, I just don't want him as my number one. Uh, Michael Walker, been there, done that. He's got yeah. two years and thirty-two mil for Walker. Who he Bowden has like every pitcher is a fit for the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, would yeah, you I do, wonder why? Would you do two years and thirty-two for Michael Walker if you can't get the other guys? Um, oh. Two years, no. 32. No. No, I'll take my chances on Graceffo. And Walk has been great. Yeah. But I don't know if he's $16 million a year great for, for two years. Uh, he, Bowden has Lucas Giolito, two years, 24. I haven't seen enough from Giolito's career to a- add him. I need difference makers, and I just don't think he's a difference maker. Okay. Uh, Marcus Stroman. Is that a name? Who That's has, a name. Marcus Stroman? Yeah. You like that? You like him? I, I actually like Marcus Stroman better than Sonny Gray. Okay. Really? And I why do. is that? Uh, I, I like his, and they're both durable. Uh, I like his durability, and he just has a little bit. He's more of a gritty performer than Sonny Gray is. Sonny, I, I just hate Sonny Gray's September record, his, his pressure record. I do. Mar- Marcus Stroman is uh, is not a big fella either. He, no, he's he not. looks taller though. He looks yeah. bigger. I, I thought he's about five eleven, six feet. He's five yeah. seven. Right. Yeah, he's, he's a little fella. fella. Yeah. And again, you aren't signing him to be your front of the ro- your horse. Okay. Aaron Nola is going to be your horse. Or Montgomery. Get both of them. Yep. And get one more. Okay, I'm going to give you two more here. Seth Lugo, uh, also a fit for the Cardinals. Two years and $20 million. Former Steven Matz teammate with the Mets. A player option at 7.5, but not expected to exercise it. 8-7 and seven with a 3.57 over 26 starts this year in San Diego. 
Hmm. It was also the first time that he was a full-time starter since 2017. I think that's a roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. I, I would have trouble signing a guy like that to be a guy who I'm counting on for innings that's as what, a starter. And that's my issue with it. Uh, I, I have the, the same issues. And then um, the other guy, and we brought him up, and he, he doesn't really fit what John Mozeliak said the Cardinals wants to become, and that's Kyle Hendricks who Bowden has as a fit for the Cardinals at two years and $25 million. If it would have been the Kyle Hendricks of a couple of years ago, yes, but there's two issues with Kyle Hendricks. Number one, his performance has deteriorated over the course of the last several years, and I'm not convinced the Cardinals have the person in place to fix him. Hmm. Uh, I, I think I think we, we solved the issue with Jordan Montgomery, Aaron Nola, and then someone else. <laughs> so you don't even There's have just, to think about it. Is that what you're saying? There's no way that the card, like these what numbers the, what do you mean? are very That's affordable. 25 million a person. There's no way that. That's 50 million. Mm-hmm. You, you got, you got uh, Adam Wayne Wright. That was 17 million. You, we can find 50 not, million. Oh, yeah. Yes, we can find it, Rock. There's no way that. Aaron Nola comes in under two hundred million. Really? You wouldn't think so. That's actually going to happen. Bowden said, Bowden he would. said he's five for one twenty-five. I just, so I just I'm think that go with those these numbers. are these are where, these are the starting points. But then it, the bidding war actually happens, and it, everything gets bumped up by twenty million across the, across five years. Not not per year, but across the five years, mm. you add twenty million. You add twenty-six million. Let me give you one more here that Jim Bowden has is is his number thirty guy. Carrie, you like this? Jordan Hicks, three years and thirty million. Hey, mm. bring him back. Get 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 all get get all four of them. Hater can close. Hicks can be your setup guy. Yeah, we can figure out what we're gonna do with Helsley. Mm-hmm. And you get Aaron Nolan, Jordan Montgomery in there, and maybe Aaron uh, Blake Snell or whomever. Hey, I know Aaron. Kyle Hendricks, Strowman, one of those guys. And then let's add Chris Carpenter to the staff. Just oh for my kicks. goodness! This Ooh, is we spending money. This is pay, like infinite payroll that you guys well, are playing with over here. This is got, Mets we, money. The money has to go up, right? Yep. So let's go up. And here's the thing: we uh, we got rid of the Flaherty money. How, how much did they take off? Like fifty million? I think so. But Montgomery comes back, but he's only getting a moderate raise of what fifteen million a year. Uh, he was making about ten. Uh, but you, you you have Wayno coming off the books, so that okay. pays for Montgomery. And then you say your payroll's gone up, gone up. So uh, well, they kind of said that. Nola. That's what kind they said of. last year. Yep, and then guys will take the hometown discount because of Yachty. I don't know oh. they're going to take a hometown whoa, discount. Whoa, right whoa, whoa. There's a lot of different factors that have to be at play here from what need, it sounds like. All I need is 24 hours. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they're going to take a hometown <laughs> discount. <right? laughs> So you the got 17 zoo. million. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that that's going to be enough. <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're, we're going to have to. We're going to have to get into that puke point area, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm good with the puke point. So a lot of interesting names on the free agent market, and a lot of them are lower than I anticipated. Don't so heavily, and right. I don't know how accurate Jim Bowden's going to be. By the way, I think he's probably over a little bit on Hicks. I bet you could get Hicks for 21 over three rather than 30 over three. We'll see whose prediction on Hicks is better. Did you guys hang out with Chris Kerber? Get a little hopium before the show today. Oh. Yeah. Is that, the, is that the reason why I feel oh. like I'm taking crazy pills? You might be. Yeah. Don't worry yeah. about it. I mean, look, spending money works. You know, look at what happened with the Mets and the Padres. Well, yeah. come on. Let's we, we can we can figure this out, we guys. Can. They're yeah. about to get Let's David look at some Price of those past free agents. Three signings. times over. Like it's we're we're, oh, we're, we're, yeah. we're gonna hit here. Cardinals finished second oh, three times man. this offseason. <laughs> yes, that was the negative. Yep. Brother. We're going in the yep. right direction. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort <laughs> Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo ho! Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. ESPN, Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Matthew. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Okay, guys, so the Texas Rangers can win the World Series tonight. They have a couple of high-priced veteran superstars in Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. They have a couple of young stars in, well, Evan Carter is going to be, and Adolis Garcia. Then they have a lot of nice other parts, and they bought starting pitching. Your St. Louis Cardinals have a couple of high-priced veteran superstars in Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt. They have a couple of young emerging stars, hopefully, in Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker, and then a lot of nice other pieces. Take it or leave it, all the Cardinals need to do is, like we talked about in our last segment, is get the kind of starting pitching that the Rangers have gotten. Thank you. Ooh. Well, and Bruce can we avoid and the DeGrom well, no, spending money that, and that not that working can, out? I don't think we can guarantee that, Brooks. Sorry. Oh, okay. I don't know that they can get Bruce Bochy. How about an approximation? Uh, who would that? Lou oh. Brown. <laughs> Lou Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Is he working still? No, he's on <laughs> white walls. <laughs> so he's available. He's, he's oh, okay. guy. I don't know. <laughs> I'll call you back later. I got a guy in the other line that needs some uh, set of white walls. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You can get that guy. You'd be good to go. That was a, a lot of money spent on DeGrom for that not to work out, which I know you can't guarantee a lot of things. I think you can follow it to an, an extent. But here's the thing, Brooke. With DeGrom, it was predictable because he was always hurt. Montgomery's passed his injuries. He's been a horse for the last three years. And Nola, it's not. Well, at some point, is the guy going to get hurt? Yes, but he hasn't been yet. So... I would roll the dice. I would rather roll the dice on people like Montgomery and Nola than on a pitcher like Degrom, who is always hurt, or even a Max Scherzer, where right. that didn't pan out injury-wise. Yeah, and, and we love Max, but mm-hmm. Max is unfortunately he's done. Yes, Max. You think so? He's got a hell of a career. He's going to be forty with all. He's his, done. He, you know, but this year, he's... yeah, this year velocity was down. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he walks away after this season. Oh no, he's going to pitch next year. Okay, but he. Is he going to pitch well? I wouldn't count on him. In terms of his play, he's done. Yes, I would think so. So we were watching the, uh, well, we heard the the news overnight about Josh McDaniels being fired and the Raiders kind of scuffling. Take it or leave it, Jimmy G is not their quarterback either at the start of 2024. Let me take that. I'm going to take that. Yeah. They paid him good money. Yeah, but it's not working out. Let's see what his contract is. how How much guaranteed money did he get? I'm not sure. I, it wasn't monstrous. I think that he's, you, you could get rid of him. He's just. Uh, uh, they, he got a three year, $72.75 million deal with guaranteed of $45 million. Okay. Here's the You're thing. You're going to eat $45 million and just let him go? The dead cap. Uh, oh, geez. Uh, the dead cap <laughs> next year would be $28.3 million. The next year would be twelve point eight, And then. So you're going to wait till 2025. I'm going to change my mind here. Okay. I'm going to get a good coach, and I'm going to put Jimmy G in a position to get the ball into the hands of Adams, Renfro, Josh Jacobs. i got to find a new tight end because I traded Waller stupidly. 
but I'm going to get tools for Jimmy G to get the ball into the hands of, and then I'm going to improve my offensive line and see what happens. I, because I've seen him do it before. I've seen him get the ball into the hands of playmakers and go to a Super Bowl. But there was times that he like overthrew, especially with Adams this past this past game. I mean, there was times yeah. where it was on Jimmy G. Essentially, I, I, I think Jimmy G at this point is probably a little bit flighty in the pocket because of, so. he's, he's been hit pretty hard. And remember, they didn't win the Super Bowl because he overthrew a guy. He's not he perfect. He's But is he better than what they have right now? Yes. And they've got three wins. If they finish with six wins, they're not getting one of the top quarterbacks. Do they? How many? Who do they have left on their schedule? They. I don't know how they finish with six wins the way that they're going. <laughs> they are not good. Do you and, think? No, I mean that's being polite. Yeah. They lost to the Chicago Bears, Randy. Come on. Mm. Like they have the Giants next, the Jets. They probably. I don't. You flip a coin between the Giants. They'll lose to the Jets, at Dolphins versus the Chiefs. Loss. They play Minnesota. Who knows what their quarterback situation is? Chargers lost. Chiefs lost. Colts lost, Broncos. I don't know about the Colts. Ah, uh, and it, you know it depends the Colts on how are better than you know, them. If Antonio Pierce gets them going, they they've got players that they they don't have to be horrible. Who's calling plays now? They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the head coach was the play caller. He's, yeah, he's out. Yeah, Do you bench know. Jimmy G soon and try to bring in Aiden O'Connell? Because I know that there was some talks possibly of that. If he's not Does it playing solve well, anything? if he's not playing well, yeah, you got to figure something out. I mean, they know Antonio Pierce is in there. He knows what's going on, what's causing the issues. Um, so he'll he'll make a decision. But hell, I I don't know what decision you can make and, and feel like it's going to be okay. Scott Turner, who has called plays in the NFL, is on their staff. Oh, Mick Scott, Lombardi is their uh, offensive coordinator. Ron's nephew, I believe. Is it? Yeah. Uh, Edgar Bennett is on their staff. He's Edgar been around for Bennett. a long time. So they, they've got some guys that uh, I, I I would guess it will wind up being uh, Scott Turner calling plays. North Sun, pretty sure. Take it or leave it, guys. We were talking about all the money that the Cardinals will possibly spend this offseason. Oh, yes. Hundreds. So much. Hundreds. Take it or leave it. Even with all that pretend money that we were throwing out there and talking about, a former Cardinals pitcher will not be returning to the staff. And so I'm talking about Jordan Hicks. I'm talking about Jordan Chris Montgomery. Stratton. Chris Stratton. Oh, yeah. Chris Stratton. Excuse me. I'll I forgot that. about Stratty. What about Jack Flaherty? No? No? no. Coming back here? No. no. But I don't no, think that one's going to happen. No. I, no. you talking about from 2023 or in general? Just I think Michael 2023. Walker, Lance Lynn. Yeah. No? Well, we can throw them in the, in okay. the conversation, too. All right. So, no. No. We let no. you go. Don't come back. And here's you know the thing. Saying? They know all of those guys have had better success elsewhere than they had here in St. Louis. Now, if the Cardinals blow somebody out of the money out of the water financially, then maybe they take it because especially if you're Montgomery and you got you're a world champion and all you need is all you want is a contract. But if you want to improve individually and be on a successful team, your most recent experience with the Cardinals is with a 90 loss team. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say no. Take it or leave it. Edmund, Donovan, Gorman are all on the opening day roster. Take it. Donovan, Gorman, Edmund, Donovan. So Dylan C's trade is at the deadline. So we're we're not we're not okay. I I'll don't take think the White Sox are going to trade. Opening him. day, I'll take it. Yep. On the opening day, but they mm. may trade it. Well, you don't trade. You wouldn't trade Nolan Gorman at the at at the trade deadline if you're. For, for Dylan Cease. Depends on what you could get and how uh-huh. good Cease is. So you guys don't think that he, he would, would have, have... 
he would have 30 home runs by that time. You, you're going to let that walk out the door? Uh, he'll have the bat back by then. Oh, how, long, how long does that yeah, About a week back. No. <laughs> no. Uh, that one comes to the scary thing is what is his back condition. But if you could get seats for him, I would absolutely be in on entertaining that. But reading what's going on in Chicago, it doesn't appear as, as if uh, Getz wants to move him at mm. this point. Hmm. Uh, take it or leave it. Corey Seager is the biggest miss Mo had besides Max Scherzer. I'm going to leave that. The Cardinals weren't going to spend 325 million on a shortstop when they had no. uh, they had Mason win on the way. It just it wasn't going to happen. It didn't make much sense. No. Also, there was like a consensus. There was like a thought around baseball that Corey Seager wasn't going to be able to play shortstop much longer. Yeah, the, he'll probably wind up being a third baseman. So, like, I mean, I yeah, think that's, that's actually into it too. Yeah. No, if you want to go that direction. Scherzer obviously was a big miss. Um, not getting Otani was a big miss, right? When they didn't get him. Um, well, Lars Newbar's hanging out with him in Miami, so that's going to happen. We're good. Okay. Was that true or not? Because I, I thought somebody said that that was actually an old photo. Was of it? Them. Oh, I have no okay, idea. you never know now. Not signing Nathan Evaldi. Giving him forty million. Was a big years. miss. Nathan Evaldi, yes. Right, that was Two a big, years, big miss. Four million. Yeah, it's easy money. Yeah, simple, um, simple math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do I know though? Yeah, when the. Uh, <laughs> And let's see, was well. Fortunately, they didn't get Stanton, but not getting Christian Yelich was a big miss. They got the wrong one for Miami, is what mm-hmm. you're saying? Yeah, I'm just talking about the, oh, the one of them that, wasn't available. They were all available. Well, not to the Cardinals at that point. Nope. Oh, well, I'm just talking nope. about unrealistic <laughs> misses. They got the one Miami outfielder they could have gotten. Let's just let's just be let's be honest about it. Uh, take it or leave it. We need to see more people with white walls. Oh, oh, I'll take it. <laughs> so here's what I would love to have, guys. I would like to have a meet. And if you have one, text in. I can't buy it from you at the moment. But I would love to have a 1976 Cadillac Eldorado convertible really? with white walls. Medium oh. blue, please. Almost bought one specific. as a youngster. Really? Yeah. <laughs> would have been fun. Apparently, it's not the most reliable vehicle in the world. But it's a, it's a beautiful car. I, as a child, I saw I saw Major League a lot, and then I saw uh, the movie Cars. And those two things made me think, I need to get some white walls on a car one oh, day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I almost bought one time? You, you knew I bought a bus, Brooke, right? I had no. a school bus when yes. I was in high school. I, I know this. Am I supposed to know this? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, he, it's been he, a, it's, it's, we've mentioned it on the air many times. So I bought a yeah, 66 passenger school bus to turn into a camper. So that was fun. <laughs> and I had a 1970 Le Mans convertible that I turned into a beautiful car. But the one, you talk about a miss, I almost bought a hearse. It would have been so cool to have a hearse. <laughs> I can't imagine one like the shenanigans. That's very ominous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ne'er do the, the ne'er done mm-hmm. welling you would have been doing oh, with that. Yeah. Oh my lord almighty. Why, what, why would you want that? The it's just all the extra room? There the would have been a post dispatch yeah. story about local 17 year old Randy Carricker was driving down Manchester with this a skeleton was, outside was, of his hearse. This was college, and I think at the time <laughs> Ghostbusters may have been out. Yep, okay. Mm. Good times. Yeah. Good time. Right. Also, Randy's like, yeah, he brings out a picture and it's a, his, his his seat could shift all the way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but the, the school bus was, I, I actually drove it to my school one time. I, it was owned by the Rock Hill Baptist Church of Manchester. Oh. And I wanted to buy, I got Are you going to become like an, a car guy when you're re- like, like when you're retired? Is that what you're going to do? Like, like an old, like caddy, like no, electric I, blue and just like go, oh, to, car, go oh. to car shows? Not car shows, but I'll drive that sucker around during oh, the summer. Hell yeah. <laughs> Great. Take it to Arizona and just drive it all year round. It'd be great. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. 120 degrees. 
Call, Lotto sunscreen. That's where I'm going to be. In 50, that's where I, that's where I want to be in 50 years. 100. percent Yeah, it's not going to be there in 50 years. Fair point. <laughs> He's right. Oh, sorry about that. The future is not. So wait. So Arizona. Oh, wow. So then Arizona you will be like. <laughs> Arizona will be like what? Like there. southwestern Kansas. Uh, yeah. By that time, there will be more cracks in the dirt. Probably. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Thanks very much for your text. Coming up, should franchises care about what fans think of their front office? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. You know what scares me the most is the fact that Mose Lock and DeWitt actually don't care about the team winning and losing. It just, you got three million fans that come through the turnstiles and that's all they care about. So, good luck with trying to get even one pitcher this year. It's going to be another mess like it was last year. That was Aaron yesterday with a mic drop here on 101 ESPN, and that is a prevailing thought among many people that follow the Cardinals, whether it's on social media or here. And I don't know that it's a thought that is a majority thought, but it's certainly something that you would think an organization would be cognizant of, that confidence in the front office after a 90 loss season has been lost. And guys, this came to my mind because apparently one of the things that brought Mark Davis to the point of being willing to fire Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler as general manager is because fans got in his face, got mm-hmm. in Davis's face at the Las Vegas Aces WNBA championship parade saying, fire Josh McDaniels, fire Josh McDaniels. And he listened. So the question is, how... <laughs> I, I'm yeah. sure there were some other things uh, going I, on I, other I, than I just a fan so. saying things. But uh, uh, how important is it for ownership to be able to take the pulse of their fans and specifically i believe the season ticket holders to make sure that they're on board with what the organization is doing i think to a degree you have to take into consideration what is taking place in your organization knowing you know if you're headed if the steps are headed in the right direction i don't think you should necessarily have fans, you know, you know accosting you at events and saying you need to fire such and such and then you just go and do it I think your eyes tell you more than what your ears are telling you in, in that situation. Watching Josh McDaniels over the last couple of years and in his entire time as a head coach in his in, the, in his NFL career, you know who he is and what he is, and it hasn't gotten better. And when you start losing the voices of people, losing the ears of people in your locker room, then you have to start making a different decision. I watch the Raiders peripherally. peripherally okay, Paul Gutierrez covers them every day for ESPN.com. I didn't realize the depths of Josh McDaniel's ineptitude. But here is just a sampling of some of the things that happened to the Raiders under McDaniels and Ziegler. Blew the largest lead in franchise history in losing to the Arizona Cardinals in Week 2 last season after leading by 20. Fell to the Colts, who were led by Jeff Saturday, who had never coached above the high school level before in Week 10 last season. It was Saturday's only win in the eight games he coached. Squandering a double-digit lead to the Rams and Baker Mayfield, who had joined the team only two days prior last December. 
getting shut out in New Orleans in Week 8 last season when the starting offense failed to cross the 50-yard line and losing to undrafted Division II rookie quarterback making his first start in the Chicago Bears' Tyler Bagent in Week 7. That is a bad run for yeah. Josh McDaniels. That is firing worthy. It is that, that body of work. And that and that's why it has a lot more to do than with just the fans. But to answer your question, I agree with what C D said. I mean, there's a part of it where you do have to, you know, tune out some of the noise because you know either in house what you guys are specifically building, but I think that you do also have to be aware of what fans are noticing and their frustrations, especially if you're dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. And that goes to not just NFL teams, but a lot of other sports teams as well when you are putting out essentially the same product and you're not making some moves and some changes and even holding yourself accountable in-house then the fans will get frustrated and things are expensive i don't have Mm -hmm. to say that right going to a game now is something that you could almost consider a luxury in a lot of ways because of how expensive it is to go to any sporting event now when you get the ticket that's going to cost you how much unless you're getting like a really really good deal you're going to spend probably over hundreds yeah two hundreds i I mean if especially if you bring your family with you then it's going to get really expensive so you have to do take an account that people are spending their money and they want a good product out on the field that they will enjoy spending that money with so i can look at this very rationally and see that the cardinals had 15 consecutive winning seasons and made the playoffs more times than not and the john mozalak was at the helm and then i see that the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series this year, fewest loss wins of any uh, National League playoff team. Phillies made it last year, fewest wins of any National League playoff team. Braves the year before, fewest wins of any National League playoff team. I can very easily rationalize, if I'm Bill DeWitt, saying this was an anomaly in yeah. 2023, the losing 90 games, having a losing season, <laughs> and I'm going to keep these guys around. I, I can totally understand how ownership would reach that conclusion and coming off of a year last year the year before where you made it to the playoffs you were mm-hmm. you know it, you lost to the eventual nl uh champs in in the philadelphia phillies but you were just there you had an opportunity to do some great things and you just didn't do well this year and it started with the pitching it started with not going out you you talked about oh we have six starters and i think we all kind of looked at each other like do we mm-hmm. do we have six starters because i don't think we do and so you go out, you thought Jack Flaherty was going to perform better. He didn't. You thought Jordan Montgomery was going to perform better. He didn't. Adam Wainwright was injured for a large portion of the year. And when he got back, he was still injured. So, And Miles Michaelis had a down year. So four of your guys didn't perform particularly to the level that you expected them to. I don't think that that's necessarily on on management, on the manager or, or, you know, the front office. That's on the guys not performing to the level. And I think they all would tell you the same thing. Well, I, even Mo said it might be a strategic mistake. Remember when he mm-hmm. said that during the winter meetings that when it came to getting another starting pitcher or pursuing that a little bit more aggressively, he said that might be a strategic mistake, and I think that it was. And I understand investing and believing in your guys. I think they were expecting Jack Flaherty to, Flaherty to really form into that ace. Yes. This Mm -hmm. season, that didn't pan out. This whole season did not pan out or go according to plan, but they could have made some more aggressive moves. So do you think that maybe the expectations are too high for Cardinals fans? Is that what you're thinking? Because I think when you bring in a Paul Goldschmidt and a Nolan Arnato, those expectations are going to stay high when you bring in 
players of that caliber and you're not giving the rest of the pieces surrounding them to be fully successful when you know that potential's there. I, I think the Cardinals ex- expect sorry, excuse no, me. I think the Cardinals expectations are different than the fans' expectations. I think the Cardinals, and I think most of baseball understands the randomness of the baseball postseason yes. and their goal is to make the postseason. Fans want a team that is guaranteed to get to the World Series or win the World Series. Well, there are no guarantees. Ask the Atlanta Braves. Ask the Los Angeles Dodgers. Ask the New York Yankees. There are no guarantees. I think the way that the Cardinals approach it for a lot of fans is is not palatable because they don't spend as much money as those teams. But the Cardinals say, well, look at the Padres and Mets. They spent a lot of money. So there were, there, I think the big thing here that a lot of people that observe the Cardinals don't want to come to grips with, and it's obvious, the Cardinals run it as a business. They aren't running it as a trust where the, the Giants president got uh, in trouble the other day for saying, yeah, we don't really care whether we make yeah. money or not. Yeah. Because they know. They look at it. They, they're about, all about breaking even. I think the Cardinals do want to make money at the end of the day. I think the Cardinals, I think if you were to ask the players or, or, or really ask the front office, they would say, you know, we we needed to play better. We had guys that we thought were going to be uh, really good this year. And they just weren't up to par. Nolan Arenado started the season off extremely slow. He didn't. He didn't even become a finalist for the Gold Glove. He didn't play well. They didn't. They were not playing well as players. And I can say, I've said this time and time again. I put more on the players than I do on anyone else because at the end of the day, it's on us as players to do our job. When Ron Turner got fired from Illinois, he got fired my second year in the NFL. I called him and I apologized to him because I felt like. We let him down. He worked his ass off every single day. We as players let him down. I And I wasn't playing for him when he got mm-hmm. fired. I was in the NFL. I was two years removed. I called him and apologized because I know the standard that had been set was not up to par and was not going to keep him, allow him to keep his job. So as a player, you have to do your job and the managers do their job. That's Carrie. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Jamie Rivers and uh, John Kelly will call the Blues and the uh, Colorado Avalanche tonight. It's November 1st. Holy smokes. Uh, wow. Blues at Avalanche tonight. And Jamie Rivers joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. With avowed Tennessee Titans fan Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, I said before the uh, break, would be on the call tonight for the Blues and the Avalanche, but that's a TNT game. So uh, JK and Rivers get the evening off, although Rivers Rivers will be heard this afternoon here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Jamie, good morning. How are you doing? Good, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. How's everything going with your Pick'em Challenge against the Riz show? Well, we're up, I think, right now, five weeks to two. Good. Um, and personally, I think things have been going okay. Last week was a real big bump in the road for me. I think I only got like four or five games right. 
I got back on track with like 10 this week, I think. Now, they have a history, the the Riz Show, of trying to change rules midstream. Have they tried to do that with you guys with the Pick'em Challenge? Randy, it's unbelievable. It's weekly. These guys try, they, they're, they're inventing rules to change. I swear, it's unbelievable. And then they cry about it when we don't want to change. There and they cry and cry. And, yeah, so I don't know. You know, it, what's good for them is just winning each time. And when they face adversity, they crumble. They just crumble. They want to change all the rules. Jamie, we keep talking about the power play. It feels like just about now every week because it hasn't improved yet. But it looks like yesterday at practice, Craig Bruby kind of moving some things around to try to spark something offensively from the Blues power play. Is that going to be enough to provide a spark and really change things? Is this just something that's going to take time? Well, the way I look at it is a couple of ways. One, it can't get any worse, right? So you might as well move some pieces around, try some guys out in different areas. And I do think the Blues have the right personnel as far as overall on the team. Now, have they put the right personnel together to click yet? Well, obviously not because it hasn't been very successful. So I, I like what Craig Ruby has done. And when you're a coach, and Kerry, you know this too, when you're a coach and something – that you're trying to make work just isn't working, then you have to change it. You have to move the pieces around and hopefully find the right combination. I think that's that's what Craig Bruby's doing right now. Yeah, you have to figure out what is and who is going to work. And and I guess that goes to my question. What is causing the inconsistency, the win-loss, win-loss, you look really good and then you look really bad? Why is that? Well, Kerry, if I had the answer to that, I'd give you the winning lottery numbers, too. I'll tell you that. Um, no, it's just, I think this is a combination of, you know, putting in a new defensive system and putting in a couple of new players and you're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And, you know, it's just one of those things to start the season where it's up and down and up and down and all around. And I don't know what the answer is, honestly. And I think Craig Ruby and the players are trying to figure out what the heck the answer is to that. Because the sooner they can figure out that problem, and play more consistently and put a couple of wins together, the better it is in the division. Although the flip side of it is, at least they're not losing every game or multiple games in a row, too. So, I mean, you have to look at it both ways sometimes, but I know that the Blues and Craig Brewer would like to put together two or three, maybe four wins in a row. Do you feel a, a sense of urgency from the players? Uh, there were some writers from the Athletic, uh, national writers, that said that Berube could be one of the coaches on the hot seat if this season doesn't go uh, in the manner in which it does. It should. Do you do you feel a sense of urgency from those guys, knowing that that's a, a possibility? Well, first of all, those writers should have another beer, okay? <laughs> Craig Berube's not the problem. Like, you know this, Kerry, and, and I know the head coach falls under scrutiny because you can't get rid of all the players, but you can get rid of the coach. Right. And I think that philosophy is flawed in, in many ways. But, look, I, I think there's urgency from these guys. The last game they played against the Vancouver Canucks, look, it wasn't a work of art. In fact, it was it was quite ugly. But... That being said, middle of the third period to the late third part of third period, you had guys that were still scrapping out there for each other. You had guys that were still blocking shots. You had guys that were involved in the game. I mean, you know this as well as anybody. When you have guys that are still willing to lay it on the line, when the game has already been determined, when, when the outcome has already been determined, then you know, you've got something there. You've got guys that don't want to lose. You've got guys that want to play hard for each other. And I think that's the foundation to a successful team. So I don't see anybody at this point, you know, just 
not buying into what's going on. Jamie, I got a couple for you. Number one, uh, Joey Vitale brought up yesterday that it's incumbent upon the leadership core, and that's the captain and the the assistant captains or alternate captains, whatever the Blues call them, to help solve the inconsistency and effort problem. You've been in a million dressing rooms. Do the does the leadership core of a team have that much influence that they can get people that are playing inconsistently or have an inconsistent compete level to compete harder? Well, you'd hope so, right? And so here's where here's where I, sometimes the old school mentality is still in my head, right? And I, I remember back in my playing days when if we went through a stretch where we were inconsistent, where it could be different, yes, the leadership group would step up and call guys out. And there would be, there would be a tax that needs to be paid, and that tax would be in practice. If you weren't going hard in games, then – I'll tell you what, you would have to go hard in practice or someone would feed you your lunch in practice. And I don't, I don't see that anymore, although Braden Shen and Jordan Kyra did have a little, you know, a little tussle, whatever you want to call it, uh, a week or so ago. But it has to be upon the leadership group. Like, if you're not going hard and I'm looking across the locker room at you and I know that you're not giving me everything you got, I'm going to get my pound flesh. And it's going to be either right there in the locker room or it's going to be practice. I'm going to make your life miserable so that you compete so hard just because you hate me. <laughs> so, yes, it is the leadership group's responsibility to make sure guys are bringing it. And Kerry is nodding and smiling, by the way, as you say that. Now, my second question, because you work skills with, with your camps and, and your business with Synergy Hockey, you work with a lot of young people. And at the end of last season, Doug Armstrong talked about how young people are more interested in the 18-second clip than the 18 minutes of hockey that they play. And this is we, we don't want to throw a blanket over every young person, but is the attention span in general of young people part of the issue here? Uh, I don't know if it's the attention span. I mean, I think the attention span overall in society has mm-hmm. gone has gone crazy. Mine too. Without that. Yeah, without diving too far into it, I mean, look, we're all, like, quick-hit people now. Like, if the video takes longer than 12 seconds, we don't watch it type thing. And so I think that everybody's kind of changed that way. But as far as the players concerned, look, the players are all about the why. Now, more so than ever before when I've coached, players want to know why they're doing a certain thing or a certain skill or working on a certain drill or a situation. And so you better have the information and the information better come quickly. You better get from A to B in a hurry with the information to satisfy what they're looking for and then also fix their problem. And that can be hard sometimes as a coaching staff to identify the problem and fix it really quickly with the why so that the player actually listens to it. So, yes, there is, there, there is a different way to have to coach these athletes these days, but you also can put some of the, the onus back on them with – the technology that's available with the iPads, guys can take iPads home. They can watch clips and this and that. I've said this for a number of years now. I would put the players in charge of coaching themselves. And what I mean by that is, and I've done this with players, NHL players that I work with just privately, is I'll pick a certain amount of games and I'll tell them I want them to break down their ships. And then I'll compare their notes to my notes and see how far off they are or how close they are. And what happens then is you're training the athlete to coach themselves so that when we get together on a meeting or a Zoom call and they're going through it and they're noticing exactly the same things that I'm noticing, then they're getting it. So then they're self-coaching. 
And at that point, now you've, now you motivate them because it's fun for them. They, all these kids want to watch video. They want to watch clips of themselves, right? They're full of themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Mm-hmm. Coach yourself then, too. And so for me, I find the path to get to more success is by having a partnership with the player to where you're both coaching the player and he feels like he has ownership in his own game. I think you you hit the nail on the head. I watched. I had a group of kids watch film with us, stayed after and watched film, and and showed them how to watch film. And it it actually opened up their eyes. Like, oh man, I can learn from this. It's about learning and knowing what you're doing. And when you're a younger player and figuring things out, it definitely helps watching film and understanding. Not just watching film to say you watched it, but know exactly what you're looking at while you're watching it. Well, yeah, and you know, gone are the days of like Carrie when you and I came up playing, whether it's high school or college or junior hockey, whatever it was, gone to the days to just go do what I tell you to do because right. that's what you need to do. The players now are like, well, why, though? Like, I get it, Coach. I want to do it, but tell me why. And so to your point exactly is showing them how to learn, how to coach themselves, how to watch video, how to do things, that helps because then the player then, when you when the coach speaks – the player identifies what the coach is talking about because the player knows what he or she is supposed to be doing at that point. So, yeah, I think it's a big, a big part of coaching these days is getting the players to be involved in the partnership and part of the plan as far as learning to self-coach themselves. Last thing for Jamie Rivers, what did you think of Andrew Marsh's Halloween outfit? <laughs> oh, Randy, I thought it was stellar. I thought it was stellar. I asked him, though, I said, how many kids your age actually knew what the hell you were dressed up as? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I got a couple of, like, nods. And I was like, okay, fine, because I love the outfit. I thought it was awesome. But, uh, and by the yeah, way, it, yeah, was, it the- was Ozzy Osbourne wearing the blue shirt. Oh, yeah. And uh, what's funny, too, I was telling this story to Andrew and uh, Anthony, is I became friends with a guy who is acquainted with Ozzy Osbourne and his management group, and – during the 2019 Stanley Cup run, you know, obviously that picture like made its way out again. Somebody found it and it got out. And so this guy that I know asked me to get a blues jersey for him. And I did. And he put Osborne on the back and got it to Ozzy. And if you Google it, there's a picture out there now where Ozzy's wearing an actual St. Louis Blues hockey jersey. And that was during the 2019 run. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Rivs, have a great day. We'll be tuned in for the uh, the fast lane this afternoon. And then you're back at it on Friday night when the Blues take on the Devils. Devils. So it's, I, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, Devils and then Canadians. Yeah, back to back at home. Should be fun. It'll be great. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. See you. Jamie Rivers, our buddy from the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. You can hear him with Anthony Stalter this afternoon, 2 to 6, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, it's the fight. Do you have a fighter, Matthew? No, we need, we need a fighter. Text in 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO with your name and the word fight. Maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker!
to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Chris. Chris, how you doing? Doing great. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Who is the only Group of Five conference champion to play in the college football playoff? Is it Cincinnati, UCF, or Boise State? Cincinnati. Corey Seager is now the second-best home run hitting shortstop in Major League Baseball playoff history. Which AL star sits at first? Is it Nomar Garcia-Para, Derek Jeter, or Carlos Correa? Uh, let's go Jeter. Happy birthday to Fernando Valenzuela. Following his success with the Dodgers, he played for four other teams, tallying a double-digit win season one more time with which team? Was it the Baltimore Orioles, the San Diego Padres, or the St. Louis Cardinals? Cardinals? The last time a postseason MVP winner came from a losing team was in 1987 when this Giants, this Giant, excuse me, was named NLCS MVP over any Cardinal. Was it Will Clark, Candy Maldonado, or Jeffrey Leonard? Uh, Jeffrey Leonard. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Chris, how do you feel? Oof. <laughs> I wanted to phone a friend. <laughs> you know what? We should probably have that. Yeah, like who's – wait, yeah. wait. What was that show um, uh, that had the – How to be a millionaire. No. Is that what, is is that what it was? Who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? Be a millionaire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm was a sorry. great show. Yeah. That and The Weakest Link. Great time for game shows. Mm. Randy is uh, coming in. He's got his – Bowl of grapes, grapes <coughs> over there. Are you ready, Randy? I am as ready as I'm going to be, CD. Ready? Randy, say hello to Chris. Chris, good morning. How you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it, and we're thrilled to have you on the show with us. Thank you. All right, Randy, here we go. You ready? Yes. Who is the only Group of Five Conference champion to play in the college football playoff? The only Group of Five. And there's only one? I'm going to say that that would be the Cincinnati Bearcats who got drilled by Alabama a couple of years ago. Alabama. Corey, Ooh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no worries. Final answer. Question number two. Uh-huh. Corey Seager is now the second best home running hitting shortstop in Major League Baseball playoff history. Which AL star sits at first? Uh, Brooke, I think I'm going to go uh, with uh, the guy who's probably played the most games. Number two, Derek Jeter, Jeter. I will go with uh, with Derek Jeter. Happy birthday to Fernando Valenzuela. Following his, his success with the Dodgers, he played for four other teams, tallying double-digit wins one more time with which team? It wasn't with the Cardinals, no. where he wrapped up his career in 1997. Yours truly broadcast his final Major League <laughs> game. And he had a shutout? In Cincinnati. No hitter? No, it wasn't that great. He did. It wasn't for love of the game. We didn't have that. <laughs> I, if I'm not mistaken, it was still in SoCal. I think he had a, a pretty good season with the uh, the Padres. I'm going to go with the uh, the San Diego Padres. The last time a postseason MVP winner came from a losing team was in 1987, when this giant was named the NLCS MVP over any Cardinal. It was probably Jeffrey Leonard because he hit those four home runs, but then Bob Force knocked him down, and he was never the same after that. Uh, 
So, uh, yeah, we, we went down there, San Francisco. You know, kids, I get off the uh, uh, off the airplane, get out of the airport, get into a tram, and I don't feel anything. And the driver of the, the shuttle says, hey, we just had an earthquake. I said, he said, did you feel that? And I said, no, I didn't feel a damn thing. <laughs> there really was an earthquake. Uh, and then I head right over to the ballpark. Uh, C4 knocked down Jeffrey Leonard, and that changed the series. And the Cardinals were able to win it on a shutout by Danny Cox. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jeffrey Leonard. All right, we have a winner in another tightly contested fight. One question separating the fighters today. Was it Chris taking down Megamind? Or is Megamind still rebounding off of a loss on Monday? And I hate to be a person facing him the rest of this week. Does he come back with another win? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Sorry, Randy, my bad. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! Yeah. You hit the jack on that one. You didn't even need, the, you didn't even get options on anyone. So that was a, a true and proper jack there. So sorry about that one, Chris. You got close. You got three correct, but unfortunately, there, Randy got all four. Didn't need the options on any of them, and takes you down four to three today. Ouch! Yeah, it'll hurt. The blood, a bludgeoning doesn't feel good, does it, Carrie? Who is the one group of five conference champion to play in the college football player is in fact Cincinnati UCLF despite being close a couple times has not been able to break through Corey Seager now the second best home run hitting shortstop in Major League Baseball history he passed Carlos Correa yes last night but he is still behind number two Derek Jeter who is number one in this case and happy birthday to Fernando Valenzuela following his success with the Dodgers he played for four other teams tallying double digit wins one more time with the San Diego Padres. He played for the Orioles, the Padres, the Cardinals. Do you know the fourth team? Orioles, Padres, Cardinals. Uh, no, I don't. Philadelphia Phillies. Hmm, wow. Uh, the last time a postseason MVP winner came from a losing team was, in fact, in 1987 when the Giants faced off against the Cardinals. It wasn't Candy Maldonado, which is my new favorite name in baseball history. It was, in fact, Jeffrey Leonard, who I had no idea got taken down by Bob Fortune was never the same again after oh, well, that? No, well, for that series. Oh, he was okay. a pretty good player. But, yeah, so he had he hit these home runs, and he had this one flap down, kind of a hot dog. <laughs> the, one, yeah, the Cadillac. Yeah, the I think he had like four that? in the first three. <laughs> maybe it was four in the first three games. And then, uh, yeah, four, she hits him out there and uh, knocked him down, and then he was never the same for the rest of the series. And the Cardinals came back and won it. Was so there- four, she gets him on a Friday night. Uh, Cardinals win that game, and then Saturday and Sunday, and then they come back here, and Danny won game six, I think. Was there a conversation about who which Cardinals should have won NLCS MVP instead of Leonard? Not really, okay. no. It's It was a team effort. That was, that was kind of a Jose Okendo had a game-winning home run oh, okay. in that series. It was a fun series. They had Rick Russell. They traded for Rick Russell, and he was really good for them, but they didn't have much starting pitching beyond him. So, Chris, uh, unfortunately, a 4-3 loss to Randy, but thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Thank you. You want a fun fact? It will, it will waste a great question for oh. the fight. Uh-oh. But I don't know if you'd have this. Right. So, 1987, <laughs> game six of the World Series, Cardinals and, twi- and Twins at Minnesota, Saturday afternoon, last daytime World Series game. Oh, really? 1987, game six of the World Series. Don ba- or Ken Herbeck hit a grand slam. Uh, or maybe it was Baylor. The Somebody only way, the only way I would have stumbled across that is what if I would have done like some special like, well tonight's game six, so here's some game six trivia. But I don't think there's going to yeah. be so a game. 
Probably no. Uh, so, so, so now you know that your yeah. Cardinals played the last World Series day game. Brooke, did you even know that they used to play World Series games during the day? No. <laughs> when I was a kid, back in my day. I like the idea of that, though, it was honestly. Great. Uh, so all the World Series games used to be played during the day, and when I was in grade school, they would literally wheel televisions into our classroom so we could watch, watch the World it. Series games. That's they, really cool. Good, they did that a couple times for playoff games when I was in grade school. Which I thought, which still to this day, I think is one of the coolest things that I, that an, like an adult ever did. Oh man, like, yeah, that I was think it's so cool. like I mean, there's nothing better. It was like it would be like 1 p.m. and all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're not doing English anymore. You guys get to watch the Cardinals game. It's like, oh my god, this is the greatest day ever. We want to watch baseball. Yep. Damn right, <laughs> the teachers are doing that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Coming up, the Blues have been on a roller coaster. How can they solve this problem? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. What will we see moving forward? It just comes down to the leadership. I know Craig Berube. I've been talking to Steve out on the side. They have a game plan, and when it looks good, it looks really good. And when the players kind of deviate from that game plan and get away from it, it looks really bad. So the coaches have the right mindset. The coaches have the right philosophies. They have the the right tangibles and the right uh, logistics. Now is it going to come down to Braden Shen and, uh, of course, Robert Thomas, Justin Falk, Colton Pareko, I mean, you name it. Can those guys continue to relay the message in, in the way the coaches need them to to this team? And more importantly, guys, hold this team accountable when it goes astray. And that's what they really struggled with last year was the message from the coaching staff not getting to the players and then, of course, the players not holding themselves accountable. So to me, that is going to be the big question mark to see where this team goes and how they move forward and whether they become a playoff team or not. That's our guy, Joe Vitale, analyst for Blues Hockey here on 101 ESPN yesterday in the fast lane. And that's interesting. And, Kerry, I listened to that and I was thinking of you because – that's something where, especially with the good teams that you played on, whether it was Peyton Manning and the veteran leadership in Indy or more pronounced probably with the Steelers, there certainly was the ability on the part of veterans to hold everybody in the room accountable and make the team more consistent. Yeah, it, it, that was the expectation. I, again, we as a team, you know, we look to each other. We were more, I guess, uh, worried or concerned about what your peers thought than what the what the coaches thought. So I, I gave you the example time and time again. We had a meeting. We were watching film. We were playing the Jets. Uh, Lamar Woodley, who was a rookie, fell down, didn't get up. He could have made the sack, I believe, on Brett Favre. Kind of laid there, didn't hustle to get to the ball. And Brett Favre probably did what Brett Favre does, makes a play. And so Mike Tomlin is in the room saying, hey, Woodley, if you get your – up if you get your ass up you can make this play you can make the play if you get off the ground faster you're moving too slow on the same exact play James Harrison is doing the exact same thing he fell down didn't get up didn't hustle and in the back of the room you hear a voice say yeah Debo you get your ass up too you can make a play and that voice was James Ferrier Mm. our (laughs) captain talking to James Harrison the eventual defensive player of the year that's the expectation. Didn't matter who you are. Didn't matter what, where you are on the team in the pecking order. The expectation is from us is the same, and we all are going to work towards that. So, yeah, 
And in order for that to work, in order for that to work, then that player has to be receptive to those no comments. Question. You have to be able to decipher the di- difference between criticism and critique, right? Mm-hmm. And how to navigate that. Because if somebody's investing time in you to point those things out, you have to take that as a compliment and that they're investing that time. They're doing that not to hurt you, but to bring the best out of you. And I think that's when when Jamie was kind of talking about the difference between younger player now, players now and older players. I wonder how much that is a factor of things. Because think about with young players, now you have social media. You have all these people gassing you up from such a young age. Like Jordan Cairo, when do you think, what age do you think that he knew probably that there was something special 12. going on there. Yeah, 12, 13. 13. 12. And so 11, then he 12, hears 13, that yeah. from a long time. And then you have a whole new coaching style that's just starting to take over, even from a younger age, where it's almost like you have to really focus on that one player individually. Even there's an emphasis now on skill camps, skills training, where it's all individualized. Mm-hmm. And so then you have that approach where all of a sudden you have this new school and old school coming to a head. It will take that younger player, that new player, if they have that mentality where they're not used to that, they have to learn to be receptive and understand that it's not to hurt them but to help them grow. There's a video that I saw just last night with Mike Brown, head coach of the Sacramento Kings, uh, going at Malik Monk. He's yeah. saying, Malik, uh, yeah. I'm about to blow my bleeping top if you keep making this mistake. You, and just going in and coaching his guys hard and no one batted an eye. No one batted an eye. No one got upset, got in their feelings. Oh, that's that's coaching. That's a person that actually cares about your success. They want you to be the best version of yourself. If I hold you accountable for the things that I'm telling you you need to do better, that's me wanting you to be the best. If not, I don't care, and you can do whatever the hell you want to do, and we'll both be fired. Mm So, yeah, coaching is hard, and you're going to get coached hard, especially when coaches know you have a talent level that you aren't maximizing to to the potential that you have. And Jamie Rivers brought up the fact, it is a fact, that this generation is a why generation. Tell me why. I don't know how, Carrie, you have to do it, so maybe you can explain to me. (laughs) How do you tell players why it's important to compete all the time? Because if you don't, you're going to get your head knocked off Mm -hmm. in our sport. And so for me, I'm very adamant about the 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 dangers of football if you are not locked in and hockey is the same way you mm-hmm. it's not as violent as it used to be where guys could run each other into the boards they don't do it as much but you do have a a a responsibility to be dialed in to be locked in to not put your teammates in unfortunate situations where they can be hurt so you're you're uh, accountable for everyone on that ice everyone on that field everyone on that court because of your job is to make sure everybody is doing their job and we need to point out here we're we're kind of being unfair to the young players because Friday night in Vancouver nobody was competing oh my god it no was, was, and that was that nobody. was young old it's just kind of in general just seeing this whole new shift because we're seeing this shift in hockey especially where you have this kind of newer younger generation of player coming in but you still have that kind of older school generation that's still standing around which I think ideally that's what Craig Bruby likes he likes a very physical team but you also have this wave of new guys coming in so you have seen it come to a head even the whole Verona situation where he makes a mistake in that and he's a healthy scratch for two games. That upset a lot of people because you're like, we need goal scorers, mm-hmm. and this is a guy that can actually score some goals. But that message was, so I, I tell people this all the time as well, Bruce Arians used to give my boy Nate Washington the blues. He would yell, fuss, cuss Nate out every chance he got. He wasn't always talking to Nate. 
Sometimes he was talking to Hines. Sometimes he was talking to Santonio. But he was only talking to Nate. But the message was clear. Hey, this is for y'all because y'all messed up. But Nate is going to be the guy that has to receive it because those are the guys that are the veterans. Those are the guys that are the superstars. They're not going to get the same conversation as someone else. So if you are a superstar or, or fancy yourself as such, see yourself as potentially being a star or see yourself as being a veteran on the team and they sit a guy down, that's a message for everyone to get. And Kurt Warner suffered that, the wrath of Mike Martz in the summer of 1999 because he thought Martz hated him, but he was yelling at Trent Green through Kurt Warner. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So oh, yeah. you didn't even do nothing, man. Why are you yelling at me? Uh, okay, I got it. All right, I see you. So to bring it all back to the Blues, because we're speaking in generalities about this whole new age and old age coming together, do you think right now with the Blues specifically that this is a skill issue? Because Jamie mentioned that the personnel is in place. So that I would assume he's saying it's not a skill issue, or is this just a compete level issue? It's I would not say it's a, a compete skill, level. It's a will. Yeah. Oh, oh, well done. I, did yeah. there? I, I see what you did. Not I agree with that. Not a skill issue. It's a will issue. Are they willing to do it every single day? Are you willing to play well one night and then wake up the next day and repeat, rinse and repeat? Your reward for playing well is you get to do it again tomorrow. That's the only reward you get until you get to the very end of the season. And oftentimes, sometimes people get comfortable. Oh, we played great last night. We got Your reward is you played great last night. Now you get to go do it again. That's the reward. And you have to tell yourself over and over and over again, I have to do it one more day and then wake up again, do it the next day. And then again, the next day. And that's the 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 re- rinse and repeat factor of being a professional athlete. And hockey is the one of the major four pro sports where if you have less talent, your effort is going to keep you in games all the time because Defense in hockey is all about effort, hanging on to the puck, being hard on the puck, being miserable to play against. It doesn't take talent to do that kind no, of stuff. No. So, so you can keep games competitive and not get blown out 5-0. I, I, I told my kids this the other day. It's about how much you're willing to endure because enduring is, is sacrifice, is pain, but continuing to go forward. And it's not always going to be pretty. Sometimes it's going to be ugly as hell. But do you get up and do it again? Can you tell yourself, all right, I did. Whew, I'm tired. One more play. And then you do it again. Oh, I'm tired. One more play. Just keep reiterating that to yourself over and over and over again. And now you're in a position where it's the third period and you're up two to one or you're up three to one or it's three to two down. But you keep telling yourself one more play, one more shift, one more time. And now you have a, a, a philosophy, a mindset where you keep where you will keep working and keep going forward. Apples to apples, right? Mm-hmm. 2019 St. Louis Blues. They didn't have anybody that was ever going to win an MVP. Right, they they didn't have that sort of skill, but they won the Stanley Cup. You can one be, more, you one can more do, play, yep, one you can, more shift. Yep, you can do that in hockey. Coming up here on one hundred and one ESPN, it's our rush hour reset. The Texas Rangers are a win away from winning the World Series. We'll talk about that next on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred and one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's 9.06 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we have the Blues and Avalanche tonight, 7.30 pregame, 8.30 faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale will have the call after Joey joins Alex Ferrario for the pregame show. 
The Rangers can wrap up the World Series tonight. Last night, they knocked off the Arizona Diamondbacks 11-7 in Game 4, taking a 3-1 lead in the series. Marcus Simeon with five RBIs for the victorious Rangers. Tori Lavolo's club was behind early and never really in this one, so now he gets ready for Game 5. we got to go 1-0 tomorrow. we got to be ready to play our finest game tomorrow and not worry about anything else. It's an all-in mentality, uh, and this team has done it. Every time I can remember, they, they've never let one another down, and I expect that to be the same tomorrow. Here's Lavolo's counterpart with the Giants, or with the Rangers, former Giants manager, Bruce Bochy. Well, the only thing I'm thinking tomorrow, we got to come out and play our best game. I don't mean to cliche that, but it's, it is. That's how you look at it. You don't look where you're at. Your focus has to be on tomorrow's game, going out there and, and, and doing all you can to win a ball game. And that's where we have to be uh, thinking. That's where our minds have to be. You know, if they win tomorrow or tonight, that would be three in a row, and that is a winning, <laughs> winning streak. And it has happened before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Like came straight out of a Western. Yeah. If the Rangers win, it'll be really interesting. Does Adolis Garcia, despite missing the last two games, would he win? World Series MVP, or will it be Corey Seager who's getting ready for Game 5? You can't take anything for granted. You know, they're a good team. They're going to scrap. They're going to fight, and they're going to claw, and they're never going to give up. You know, we showed that today. You know, we got up early, and they still they still grind through some at-bats. So we got to come ready to play tomorrow. And the Rangers will be ready to play. The Rangers are really good, and they have Nathan Evaldi, who's the best starting pitcher in this series and the most clutch starting pitcher in this series going tonight. Is he is he potentially your World Series MVP if they close it out tonight? Seager? Yeah, no, no, no. Evaldi? Uh, Evaldi. I think I would go with Seager. Seager? I think Seager. Just over yeah. over Adolis Garcia? Yeah. Despite because Seager not playing the last two games? Big game-tying home run. They don't get to Garcia in Game 3 mm-hmm. unless Seager hits the home run to tie it in the ninth. And then the home run the following night to uh, put them ahead or expand the lead. And then last night, uh, he made it 5 nothing after it was 3 nothing. He's just been huge for the Rangers. Could a Diamondback win the World Series MVP? Is only there if, anyone? Only if they come back and win it. You don't think it would be like a, what we, you no. know, you don't think it would be a, a situation where the losing team has the best player, they just can't finish it? Only if somebody carries them to a Game 7 and they barely lose a Game 7. That's the only and way I could see it. who would that be, you think, Carol? Carol's the one guy that could do yeah. it, right? I thought you were going to say Tommy Pham. I was like, what about Tommy Pham? Tommy Pham. Oh, Tommy. <laughs> I don't Tommy's know. hidden. I, I don't know if Tommy well, maybe not. Give, gets them <laughs> two. So is he going to carry them against that pitching staff to two consecutive wins? I just... Down in the lineup, I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to do that. No, I'd love to game. see it. I'd he's love to see well it. in the World Series. He really is. Yeah. Yes. Mizzou takes on Georgia. Mizzou number 12, according to the college football playoff rankings. Georgia is number two. This game will Go be Tigers. played. Carrie, it's a 230. Yeah. Is that the wrong yeah. Tigers? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, Go Tigers. <laughs> That's Ed Orgeron. That ain't, the, that ain't the right Tigers. Yeah. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Oh, Ed Orgeron. Uh, That's a throwback. <laughs> no, this is uh, this, this coach says M-I-Z. Oh, this is uh, Eli Drinkwitz, who's oh. number 12 Tigers, getting ready to take on number two Georgia. And this game is the 230 game on CBS Saturday. Oh, by the way, there is a primetime game between LSU and Alabama. And that's why Mizzou oh. has the 230. But we'll take it. I think 230 is better. It's perfect. It's not too early. And it's not too late. The Tigers. So you get a great game 
same time there. I have a proposal because you guys put me in a position yesterday with the mayo and coffee, okay? Mm -hmm. With Will Levis, if he's able to continue to perform. How about if Mizzou beats Georgia this weekend... CD oh, no. has to finish because we can't get him to say it. I know that Dennis Gates got him to say it. The yeah, M-I-Z. You know what? If Mizzou wins, if you win, win, I will finish it. You'll finish it? I will. If there we go. Like, right, now listen, listen. I don't I don't see the likelihood of that happening, but <laughs> you if, have to get a shot right, in there, don't right, you? No question. Always. I don't see it happening because I think Georgia is just that good. They're a 15 and a half point favorite. Yeah, they're pretty good. And they're at home. So yeah. You know, last week would have been. I thought they. I thought Georgia may have thought started slow or, or wasn't really into the game, and then it kind of just took off. And so, yeah, I, I don't see. Uh, I don't see Georgia having any any problems. We'll make, we'll when make you get note to, of it. Yeah, when you get to this point, eighteen to twenty-two year olds start to feel it a little bit. So, how does Drinkwitz approach with his players? The noise around being one of the top 15 teams in the country. I don't think you can ignore anything this day and age because uh, that's just like putting your head, head in the sand. But, you know, I talked to him um, really on Tuesday of last week about irregardless after the game, it's not anything that we can control, but there's going to be two different narratives. Um, the narrative is, is going to be if we lost, the season's over and there's nothing left to play for because of what was at stake in the game, which we know is not true. And if we win, we're going to be assumed that we're going to win the East, which is not true because we still have three games left versus SEC opponents. And so what's at stake at this game is no different than what was at stake when we played at Vandy, at Kentucky, um, at home versus South Carolina. The only problem I have with that is that he said irregardless. I was, I was waiting for that I one. Was, I was waiting. I was he repeated it. He said irregardless twice, and then basically said the same phrase, like, irregardless of what happens, irregardless of what happens. Yeah. Coach, I, listen, God bless it. You're at, you're at an institution of higher learning, for God's sake. Hey, hey, it's an SEC school. It's an SEC school. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. No. It's an SEC school. He's all is forgiven. You're okay, Coach. Which I was going to say he is an Arkansas native, so that still doesn't help anything, but I'm just saying Arkansas Now it all makes sense. <laughs> I, I want to give uh, one more uh, uh, opening to uh, Kerry Davis to comment on something that happened yesterday that we haven't gotten to yet. Of all the deals at the NFL trade deadline, the Niners getting Chase Young. Ooh, that was intriguing. <laughs> the, the Niners getting Chase Young was a spectacular move for them. I mean, I, that's almost like the rich getting richer. I know he's been hurt often throughout his entire career, but he was a top five pick when he was drafted and so second overall yeah and so he's he's back with his college teammate him in uh bosa played together Mm -hmm. at at ohio state that's a a really impressive move and the commanders seem to be getting rid of folks because they got also got rid of montez sweat which i thought was intriguing they had a really good defensive line and now two of the four are gone um but yeah the 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 49ers getting chase young i think was the biggest deal that was done yesterday. That is your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our NFL Midseason Awards and the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, time for our midseason NFL awards. Kids, we're going to do MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. 
Let's get things started with MVP of the NFL. Brooke, who you got? <sighs> well, typically it's a quarterback because that's the mm-hmm. way it goes. But yes. quarterback play this season has been uh, not so great so far in the NFL. I know that Jalen Hurts has kind of moved up in the conversation because it's been a back and forth between Patrick Mahomes and Tua. But I'm thinking if we get to the end of the season, just looking ahead. If Patrick Mahomes is able to make it work with these receivers around him, and we've seen him struggle, but they're able to figure this out, I think that he's still your clear MVP favorite. Oh, see, I'm, I'm, I don't feel, I don't feel that comfortable with Patrick Mahomes right now, especially with, you know, the last game obviously being fresh on my brain. Uh, um, and we can is, forget about that. Yeah, we, we, the could. we can we forget could, about that, but I don't think we should. I want to go the same person for MVP as I do Offensive Player of the mm. Year, and that's Tyreek Hill. Right now, for me, he is playing at an all-time level, playing at an elite level. Uh, Sixty-one catches, one hundred and fourteen, one thousand and fourteen yards, receiving eight touchdowns. You throw the guy the ball; he's going to make a play. Um, I know Tua Tungavaloa is the one passing it to him, but I can't find, I can't rationalize in my brain any quarterback worthy of receiving that award right now, Patrick Mahomes included. So I'm going to go with um, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is getting the ball from Tua, who leads the NFL in so many passing categories, including yardage, with 2,416 yards through the air. He's got 18 touchdown passes to only seven picks. Uh, He's got a passer rating of 108.8. That leads the NFL. My MVP is Tua, but C.D., I am going to go with Tyreek as my offensive player of the year. Yeah. Uh, so my question mm-hmm. to you would be, would Tua have the same amount of success without Tyreek? Ooh. Uh, with the Jalen Waddle there? The, would his uh, numbers be as, as great as they are right now? Probably not. Would no. Tyreek have the same amount of success without Tua? Probably not. I think so. He 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 was having that success. If you put if you put Kirk Cousins on that team, but their their backup is Mike White. Nah, Would he be having that level of success with <laughs> with Mike White? It can how far can Mike White throw it? Well, that's the, the and, <laughs> and accurately. He can throw. It don't have to be accurate. Just throw it far. I'll go catch it. If I'm Tyreek, I think Tyreek would have this success. Tua is outstanding, and and I'll give Tyreek credit because he has been t- he has been pumping Tua up since he got there, and people thought he was crazy. No mm-hmm. way, he's better than Patrick Mahomes. No, he's he's playing at an all time level, but uh, Tyreek is he's my MVP and offensive player okay. of the year. Right I now. agree. I mean, I think for offensive player of the year, it has to be Tyreek Hill, and I do think that he should be MVP, but it seems to always go to the quarterback, right? Yeah. It, it does, unfortunately, because I don't think I don't necessarily think that. It should just be a quarterback award, mm-hmm. but it, it has become that. Essentially, it is that. All right. So our defensive player of the year. Mine's going to be Miles Garrett. Me too. And maybe it's just because it's been in my head with the way that he just absolutely worked the Titans O-line, and I, that just stood out to me. But Miles Garrett, to me, has just really stood out and consistently has been good. The Browns' defense is about the only good thing that they have going on. Yeah, uh, he's he's fourth in the league in sacks, third in the league in sacks, and has four forced fumbles. He blocked a huge kick uh, against the was it the Colts a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. where he jumped over the line and just is a massive human being. He's 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 great. He's spectacular. So I think we're all in agreement there with Miles Garrett. All right, so Miles Garrett, our defensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year. I hate this. Ooh, this one is a toss up to me between C.J. Stroud. 
or Puka Nakua? I, I've got to go with Nakua, and I hate Ooh. to do it. But C.J. Stroud is He's been... He's having a great year. He is. But Puka yeah. Nakua is doing things that nobody else has ever done. He also is. Yeah, C.J. Stroud has thrown one pick this season. Puka Nakua is, I mean... Yeah. A spectacular talent. He is outstanding. He is third in the league in receptions. And just, just playing at a really high level. He only has two touchdowns, though. So... I don't know if you could. I think C.J. Stroud, with what with what he has done for that team, for that organization in one year, no one expected them to win really any games, and they've done an outstanding job. They've looked different. They've looked better. I would probably go C.J. Stroud as well. Yeah, I like C.J. Stroud a lot. So this has been a great campaign for him, and there's a lot to look forward to with what he's able to do with the Texans moving forward. All right, defensive rookie of the year. Oh, it's easy. It's me. easy. Easy for me. Me too. Devin Witherspoon. Yep, there, there's I, uh, Does Jalen Carter get into the convers- conversation a little bit? He's been yeah. hurt. Yeah. He's missed the last couple of games. Devin Witherspoon has... Has been, yes. Whew, I mean, it's a reason why he was top five, why why so many teams were, were after him uh, in the draft and wanted him to, to fall to them. And fortunately for the Seahawks, he was still there when they picked and he's been playing. He does everything well. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, going Devin Witherspoon. All right. And finally, Coach of the Year. Who is it? It has to be Dan Campbell or Mike McDaniel, right? I'm going with Mike Mike McDaniel because he's cool. <sighs> because he's cool. So like, does that get you like what ten extra points yeah, in this competition? Uh-huh. Totally okay. Yep. I like Dan Campbell. I obviously like Mike McDaniel. Does D'Amico Ryan's get any conversation? Any any? Does he peek his head in the door in the room? Just because they're three and four, I think he does. But I don't think that his, I don't if think they, if they let's say they end the season I don't know nine and but this eight. is our midseason awards oh I'm sorry you're right <laughs> midseason we're going we're going Dan Campbell and his knee biting knee biting philosophy really? yeah. yes. kneecaps so uh, I will say this I didn't think Philadelphia after losing two coordinators would do what they're doing they lost Siri mm-hmm. uh, Sirianni lost Jonathan Gannon to yep. the Cardinals and lost Shane Steichen to the Colts and they haven't lost a beat you know what's crazy. What's unfortunate, we don't ever give the coach that has we, – we very rarely give the coach that has the better record or the best record, the, the coach mm-hmm. of the year. I'm going to change my pick and go with Nick Sirianni just because of what you said, because of losing two coordinators, making it to the Super Bowl, and losing teams that usually make it to the Super Bowl and don't win, normally have really bad seasons the following year, and they are just plugging away, figuring things out as they go, and so I'm going to go Nick Sirianni. Do you think he's not in the conversation just because the pre- perception is is that they're just really yeah. ta- talented and yes. they have talent mm-hmm. all around? Yep, they're 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 too good, so you should win, which is a dumb idea. It is, and by the way, they've dealt with some injuries and some less than stellar play, and this guy deserves credit. If you want to give him a lifetime achievement award, he also has been the guy that predominantly developed Jalen Hurts. And put him in a position to to be great. So uh, let's let's give Nick Sirianni a little love here. And he seems like a cool guy too. Yeah. So then that's ten extra points. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Yeah, but he, not enough he, points to surpass cool, McDaniel. Cool factor. No, McDaniel's McDaniel, not McDaniel's. Oh, there's who, a difference. Needs a job. No, yeah, McDaniel. Mike, Mike has a job. Yeah. There's definitely a difference yeah. between the two. Oh, Stylistically, yeah. 
as well. Yeah. Is yeah. there a better Reels person right now than Mike McDaniel? Instagram Reels? Yeah. Oh, because of his quotes? Yeah, and talking to officials and players oh, and stuff like that. He's very funny. I like his whole backstory, just the way yeah. that he was able to work through everything and even dealt with. He's very open about his alcoholism and how yeah. he was able to overcome that. But did you guys see the reaction? A lot of kids were dressing up as him I for Halloween. Yeah. And a reporter asked him about it. He was like, I don't understand like he was so confused he was like how and it's like because he has a very distinct look the kid was wearing the whole sweat yeah. yeah took off running great. like he did yeah. after, at awesome. he was like cool. i can't accept this is my reality <laughs> <laughs> he's a great personality uh, oh my the raiders have also fired their offensive coordinator mick lombardi just goes to show you if you don't play offense and you're an offensive person you're going to lose your gig. Mm. So uh, that's that opens things up for Scott Turner to be their play caller. Yep, that happens. Coming up here on 101 <laughs> ESPN, we want to hear more from you. We asked earlier whether or not franchises should care what fans think about their coaching or front office. And part of this was what fans said to Mark Davis and what you say about the Cardinal front office. We'll talk about it next, and we want to hear from you with the text line 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You know what scares me the most is the fact that Mosellock and DeWitt actually don't care about the team winning and losing. It just, you got three million fans that come through the turnstiles and that's all they care about. So, good luck with trying to get even one pitcher this year. It's going to be another mess like it was last year. One of the questions that is often asked is how much attention ownership pays to what fans say. That was Aaron yesterday here on the opening drive. And uh, we were reading this morning about Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, the coach and general manager of the Raiders, being fired. And one of the questions that was asked of Paul Gutierrez, who covers the Raiders for ESPN, why make this move now instead of during the bye week? And Gutierrez wrote, simply put, Raiders owner Mark Davis had seen enough and realized the error of his hires. Plus, Raiders fans literally getting in his face at recent games and at the Las Vegas Aces Championship Parade. Davis also owns the two-time WNBA champs, imploring him to fire McDaniels had to make an impact. So my question is this, if you have random people at a parade or random people coming up to you, you're an owner and you have random people at a parade or at a game imploring you to fire your coach or your general manager, are you really listening to them? No. Uh, uh, maybe that's why the Raiders aren't good. Well, I, I'm assuming, well, maybe, maybe not. I, at a victory parade, there's usually some beverages mm -hmm. uh, in hand <laughs> going down. So I don't know how much listening I would be really doing. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah sure, whatever you say, buddy. Like, I, I don't know that that's the time or the place to have that conversation. Uh, I think more so it had to do with what the Raiders are doing on Sunday, Monday night, Thursday night. It doesn't look like anything no. that you would want it to look like. And I think that's what cost Josh McDaniels his job, more so than, you know, fans approaching the owner at a, at a parade. That was Aaron with a mic drop from yesterday. And this is Kyle reacting to Aaron's mic drop. Randy, Aaron, I don't understand what the thought process of these guys that think they don't want to win. Are you kidding me? We're the second most winning team in the history of baseball and they think Mo and DeWitt don't want to win 
just don't understand. Sometimes things don't go right. We are in the playoffs almost every year. I understand we need to spend more money and get three pitchers, and that's correct. But how can you count them out before this? I just don't get it. Well, Kyle, I I will try to expound upon what you said. Three people, three million people aren't coming through those gates if you don't care about winning. If you don't win, Mm -hmm. three million people aren't coming through those gates. In addition to that, even though it's not tied to the Cardinals, Ballpark Village is an entity that's owned by the people that own the Cardinals. If you're going to maximize Ballpark Village, don't you need to have people in the stands? Ergo, don't you? Do you like that? That I used yes. ergo. Ergo, nice. don't you need to win to get people to buy your product and come through those gates? Yeah. Well, and then you don't get a Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt here to St. Louis if they didn't want to come to where they think that there's a history of especially recent winning where it's possible that they could at least be in competition for World Series. Now, with all this said, the fans are not happy for whatever reason with the current management. Here is Mark with a mic drop. I'm 101 ESPN. Randy. There we go. Hi, Mark. Hey, Randy. I feel that the Cardinals need to get rid of Mo uh, just because after what happened to Wilson Contreras and everything else going on last year, I don't think anybody trusts Mo. Uh, I think he's becoming known as a liar throughout the league. So I think it's time for him to go. We need a change. Simple as that. So there's a fan that's not happy. Now, Mark said that nobody trusts Mo. I think Bill DeWitt trusts Smo. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the most important one. And there's, I think we get the read of a segment of the fan base, but I would guess there's probably fans in St. Louis or throughout Cardinal Nation that want John Mozeliak, because of his track record, to get another opportunity. Yeah, because of the success that he has had before. Yeah. And maybe, and this is probably obviously recently when you're looking at the thing, but one thing that I think has frustrated a lot of people is the free agency signings Mm -hmm. and those not exactly panning out how you would like. Right. Not doing a great job in free agency has been, I think that's been an issue. They've traded. I mean, you got Nolan, you got Paul. Uh, I think those were obviously great, great trades, but then you look at the ones that went away and Mm -hmm. that makes you a bit frustrated as well. Just got to figure out how to, what they need to do this off season it's one bad season. It wasn't great. It was a really bad season. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it is one season out of many. So, And let me tell you something I believe. I've been doing this for 40 years, okay? Uh, we have a, we have the, the sports show of record, okay? Our, our show is important in town. But would I, if, if I'm Bill DeWitt, am I listening to this show and determining – what I'm going to do with my franchise based on what Randy Carricker says? Hell no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to listen to fans. I'm not going to listen to media members. I'm certainly not going to listen to social media. If if I'm the owner of a sports team, I'm going to trust my eyes and my gut, especially if I'm somebody who literally grew up around the sport like Bill DeWitt did, and I'm going to trust myself more than I'm going to trust uh, some nitwit sitting in a chair in Creve Corps. I agree. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you got the job because of – your ability to do, you know, put teams together, put a championship yeah. roster together. And so 
I wouldn't give much uh, concern to what someone else is saying. It's, it's like a player. You have, you know what the job is. You know exactly what you need to be doing. If you're not getting it done, then you have run the risk of losing your job. And that's unless you are the owner of a franchise, everyone else runs the risk of losing that job if you're not performing to the level they need to. And this is why the Cardinals went to the playoffs for 15 years in a row and why the Raiders never win a damn thing. Because <laughs> Mark Davis does listen to other people. Matthew, what? I well, think he's just saying that, though, is the thing. I'm sure that sometimes you say things because you know it's going to get out there mm-hmm. publicly and then fans will feel a little bit more relaxed or that they're feeling heard if you're like, yeah, yeah, no, I acknowledge that. It There was a lot more than just the fans telling him oh, about yeah. Josh, Josh McDaniels. Was telling him there was a, the, you, the eye test was very easy to see there. I hope that Mark Davis is able to just even use his eyes to see well, that that needed to happen, it, and it didn't take fans taking it. It did, but if you're, and granted, it was a year and a half, but if you're DeWitt and the last Cardinal manager to survive a 90-loss season was Branch Rickey in 1916, I mean, that's something that, most organizations, I think, would take a look at, but I don't think the Cardinals even gave any thought to is having the manager survive the 90 loss season. He was going to survive it either way. And look where Arizona is right now. And, well, not Bochi, but Arizona, their manager survived 110 loss season, and now they're in the World Series a couple of years later. Six three six. I just I just thought this was a very logical text, and, and well, I, I like to read them when we get them. And far between. I don't think it's up to ownership or the front office to necessarily listen to the fans 100% of the time. I think if we were able to run the team, we'd have it bankrupt within two seasons. <laughs> However, when you have Possibly. very educated baseball minds ignoring obvious issues that almost seem common sense, I think it's fair to the fan base to start questioning the headspace of those in charge. I think that's fair. Yeah. I agree. I think, again, one season, it, it was a really bad season. I think, I think the fans' frustration comes from hearing certain things, hearing the payroll is going to increase. Now, it did, but when you say certain words or say certain certain phrases, you automatically assume that it's going to be more than what it is. Now, that's that's on you for assuming because he said it would increase, and it did, but it not to the level that we thought it would. He said we had six starters. Turns out we didn't. Said we were going to go get three starters in the offseason. Now maybe we're not. I think when you – say one thing and then do something else, that's where that distrust comes in. So for me, over under-promise and over-deliver works more times than not. And that's where you should be taking an account yes. of what people are saying. To the things that you're talking about specifically, Carrie, where if you say one thing and you say it publicly, then you should be able to back those up. And yes. not everything's going to go according to plan, but then you should be transparent the next time and say, look, this is kind of, there's nothing wrong with going out there and kind of setting into motion or explaining things in your moves. You don't have to give away every single detail right. of what you're doing, but I think transparency is something that all fans appreciate and is something that is needed. So if you are taking into fans and what they're saying in that, then I think that is something that you should be listening to from fans. And one other point before we get to rock and roll, and that is this. If you want to speak to the owners, speak with your pocketbook. If, if yeah. That's how you make an impact with people that are in business is by affecting their business. Yeah, I do think that the message was displayed this season. I think I think the ownership group got the message, hey, we're not going to show up because that that was the first time in my that that I can remember seeing <laughs> that stadium not filled with uh you know, thousands mm-hmm. of fans every night. It was it was some nights where it was like, oh, this is really bad. So 
despite the, the the tickets that were sold, the number of butts that were actually in the seats uh, probably did not match that number. Mm-mm. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch of this edition of The Opening Drive with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. of our day. Matthew Rocchio, <laughs> what's going on? I mean, when you think about the great love stories of our time, I think obviously... Uh, Bogey and Bacall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Brad, Brad Jelena mm-hmm. has to be up there. Brangelina. Brangelina, excuse Brangelina. me. Sonny and Shara. Sonny and Shara. Whoa, obviously, that was, Shara. That was a I don't know what the hell my voice just did there. Um... Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, obviously, it's up there. But These I think so they, Benifer, Benifer, that's another one, one, yeah. But I think they've all been topped by Randy. What's your name for this one? Oh, uh, I think we came up with the name Larka. Yeah. Oh. It's all been Larkus, topped Larkus, by Larkus. 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 And that is Larsa Pippen and Marcus <laughs> Jordan. I mean, really, just a, an American love, love story when you think sad. about it. It's like, the, like, the, like it's so upsetting. <laughs> kind of like Princess Di. I, I think. Oh I think. Oh, I think it's, that's I think not, it's a, that's that not a good comparison. That's well, not a good. Well, the beginning kind of, of the, the early parts. It's royalty. That yeah, wasn't even good in the early parts. Well, without the cheating. Okay. Well, kind of with yeah. the cheating, actually. No, um, <laughs> Jesus, exactly. We're going right where we need to be. Anyhow, if you guys didn't know, there's a new podcast out there that's just. That's given us some wild content. And that's a and that's Pablo Torre now as a podcast where he just goes and finds out stuff. As he likes to say, Pablo finds out is the name <laughs> of the podcast. And he got the interview that everyone in America has been wanting, and that is he sat down with Marcus Jordan and Larsa Pippen to talk about their love. And the big t- quote going around right now has to be the plans for the wedding and who's going to be standing by Marcus's side as he makes that big <laughs> commitment. When's the wedding, you guys? It's in the works. This is my uh, is my go-to saying right now. You know, I don't think we have like a, a date. We're still talking about locations and how party size and all of that stuff. So it's not really uh, concrete yet, but it's it, it'll happen. Do you want your dad to give a toast at your wedding? How does this work? Yeah, you know, look, I was the best man at his wedding, and so and the best man at my brother's wedding, and so obviously we'll keep that tradition going. There it is. Michael's gonna be up there <laughs> on the altar. That's, a, That's so beautiful. And if you you have to go and look at the video because he's smiling while he's saying it. To me, do they like get <laughs> off on embarrassing yes. Yes, Michael Jordan a little bit because you know what you're doing there? That's a weird position to put your dad in. Why? Is it not? What do you mean? Wasn't she there for Marcus's birth, essentially? Like, he, she was around while he was no, growing up. she said in the podcast that uh, while well, Scott, the last year Scotty and Michael played together in 1998, she was a senior in high school. Oh. Okay, well, and, and Wait, you know, Brooke, Brooke has a fair question. <laughs> Brooke has a fair question. It's a little odd. Why get into this? And actually, I thought this was very responsible. They kind of asked Larsa and, and Marcus, and Larsa's the one who answers, you know, there's a lot of people out there. Why, why, why each other? There's so many fish in the sea. Do you think any part of you were attracted to each other, to the idea of the relationship, because it felt a little taboo or a little dangerous? Or no, not at no. all. Once we started hanging out more and more together, I, we just kind of like were attracted to each other, and we are so much alike that it's crazy. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know aesthetically it probably doesn't look good. And I feel like when people see us together and hang out with us, they're like, 
you know, it makes sense. But I think just to hear of it, it doesn't like it, it doesn't resonate well with yeah. people. You I know? think the more time that people spend around us, they realize that it's genuine, you know. Do they? Because it's you have to prove thing. to people it's that it's beautiful. genuine. It's so beautiful, Gary. What are you talking it's about? True love. It's ridiculous. Exactly. It's absolutely absurd. <laughs> I think... I think one of the one of the best points that Marcus pointed out that really this is an odd thing for us to obsess with because the Jordan family, not not one to really like the limelight, guys. Obviously, look, I'm, we're very private people, the Jordans, and so if it was up to me, I think we would do maybe multiple weddings, one private for our family and friends, and then maybe there's one that's a little more public. But uh, you know, I guess time will tell. I guess time will tell. They're a very pu- private family, guys. So obviously they're gonna is, have one that's private and small, I wanna, and then they'll do a public. One. Is, I want to be invited to the public one. Is Marcus, is Marcus saying that they don't like being public as a family? But him and Larsa, I have been force-fed this information well, so, about him and Larsa Brooks, Pippen. Here's the thing: he's packing his stuff up right now. One thing you gotta remember: uh, the, the, they are an extraordinarily private family. So when they build a twenty-five thousand foot mansion, they um, have a gate out front with a huge encrusted 23 on the gate because yeah. they just Very want to maintain private. their privacy. Very private. You know, you know what? I, when I think about the, 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 the 90s Bulls, I think about a team that was, you know, low key. Uh, that didn't change the way that, you know, we announced teams at the beginning of games or anything like that. That didn't, you know, change the way that spectacle was with sports. But you, you know what, Carrie, I, I don't understand why you're so bothered. And you know what? Neither does Marcus. Neither does Larsa. I feel like our families just want us to be happy. And, you know, I feel like I don't want to put too much emphasis on your family or my family other than like us and my kids that are affected by our relationship. Yeah, I other think, than that, like no one's really affected by our relationship, to be honest with you. I me. think the main thing for my dad was like, look, you're a grown no. adult, grown ass man is what he said. And Is that you know, what he I'm texted 30, you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. He was like, you're a grown ass man. You can make your own decisions. You know, ultimately, as long as I'm happy, he's happy. And so... You know, he's never intervened in my dating life prior to Larsa, and so he's not going to start now. But I think had it been where Marcus's dad or family said, hey, never see her again, we probably would just continue being friends. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So oh, does the youngest son does the youngest lying. son ever say to Marcus, you are my pa? <laughs> so her oldest son, Scotty Pippen Jr., yes. is 22 years old. Okay. Marcus so 10, is 32. 32. Yeah, and then there's Preston, Justin, and Sophia, who are the, okay. the three younger siblings. Wonderful, good, good. Carrie, it, it's content. a movie. This we is blended. Carrie, it only affects them. Why do you care so much? I, 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 that's what I'm asking you all. <laughs> I think it's sweet. I don't care. It's it's just beautiful, intriguing. Yeah, that's just wonderful. kidding. No, I'm weirded out by the amount that they talk about it. <laughs> it. It's too much. Because here's the thing: if you say you don't want attention, then why are you doing a podcast all these... to get attention? Thank you. That's 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 my issue with it. You want to be private, but you're talking. She's about on it. a reality show. She's on the Real Housewives of Miami. So oh, I, wow. I don't know if they what really want show. that much privacy. Does anybody really watch all those shows? Which I, I think know. comes oh, okay. back Somebody in like a, I think I think the new season yeah, of that is. debuts in like two weeks. So oh, okay, good job by the press agent. Oh yeah, well done. I'm sure Pablo's group. I'm sure was was <laughs> running for it. Great audio. I appreciate it. They also reacted to people by saying uh, we don't care what you effing think, um, which I thought was just really really. What if I think open themselves up to the people? Just one of the cutest things ever. 
one of the cutest things. Okay, say that Michael Jordan is going to be his best man. Mm-hmm. Do we get a new crying Michael Jordan yes, meme we do. out oh, yeah. of this? Uh-huh, okay, do. then maybe it's worth it. Uh, yeah. 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 So, this fun. is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It's great stuff. Who the hell is... Uh, you know what? Okay, no, C- please CD, finish that sentence. CD, finish that sentence. No, CD follow-up question. Which one is more real? Marcus and Larsa oh God, getting oh married or God. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Oh, Which I one? Which love is the best? Neither for 200 No, uh-uh. Not an option. <laughs> not an option. Which one is more real? Yes. Marcus and I'm talking Lars, about pure Larsa. love. Who's got a no. friendship bracelet? <laughs> Who's got a friendship bracelet? Come on. Marcus, is it Larsa Pippen? Marcus and Larsa Larkus. is more Yeah, Larkus is, is more real. Larkus. Larkus is their official no. name. That's more real than That's, Taylor and Travis. Great job today. That should tell you everything you need to know about that. <laughs> great job today by our producer, audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooklyn, this fun? It was. Larkus. I can't wait to get an invite to the Larkus wedding. How about that? How about that? How about that? How about that? We need to go with microphones so that we can yes. interview these two lovebirds. <laughs> CD. Your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we have uh, Blues hockey tonight. 7.30 pregame, 8.30 faceoff. Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale. And then uh, we will talk about that tomorrow morning. Coming up, you've got a balloon party. You've got BK and Ferrario, and you also have the fast lane from 2 to 6. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great hump day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.